You're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me? I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too? You're his daddy, Forrest. So where are you? You're in some motel room? You just you just wake up and you're in, in a motel room. There's the key. It feels like maybe it's just the first time you've been there, but perhaps you've been there for a week, three months. It's it's kind of hard to say. I don't, I don't know. It's just an anonymous room. Well, either kill you or let you go. Whether or not you're going to leave this ditch alive depends entirely on you. road a piece there's an orchard besides you we know there's another crop patrol around there somewhere if that patrol were to have any crack shots that orchard would be a goddamn sniper's delight so if you ever want to eat a sauerkraut sandwich again you gotta show me on this here map where they are you gotta tell me how many they are and you gotta tell me what kind of artillery they're carrying with them we happy yeah, we happy. Look, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I didn't get your name. I got yours, uh, Vincent, right? But, but I, I never got your. My name's Pitt, and your ass ain't talking your way out of this shit. No, no, no. I just want you to know how. I just want you to know how sorry we are that, that things got so fucked up with us and, and Mr. Wallace. We, we, we got into this thing with the best intentions, really. I never... It... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> hey, I'd like you to meet Gail and Evel Snopes. My pair is ever broken in her. <laughs> Boys... Here's my wife. Well, it's done. Kind of late for visitors, isn't that high? Oh, well, yeah, honey. But these boys just got out of the joint. So we got to show a little hospitality. Well, now, H.I., looks like you've been up to the devil's business. Hey, is that a him or her? It's a little boy. Got a name, does he? Uh, so far, we've just been using Junior. We call him Junior. <laughs> you mean, you mean JR just like TV show? <laughs> the f*** you looking at, old man? Huh? The hell are you spooks up to? Spooks? Look, you better get your ass on, hunky, while I still let you. That's right, That's what you better do. You think you live? Notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have f***ed with. That's me. You're a big cop. You're a really funny. Really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's, you're funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? 
Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how. What? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, man, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little f***ed up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? Welcome to episode 11 of Chevy's Drive-In, and we're going to have another great episode for you. What are we going to talk about today, Parker? Today we are talking about directors. Yeah, you heard all the clips. I mean, these are clips from obviously all the, the best directors that we think are the best directors, and we put these clips in there to you know, good clips from their movies because, you know, that just shows off their work. That's the best way to show off their work. You know, the actors, when we do that show, uh, be able to hear the actors, you know, giving their lines, but somebody's behind the scenes directing them. And that's, you know, the director is the key to every single movie that you see. Am I, am I right there? You're, you're absolutely correct. And that's something that I've really been just kind of learning over the past, over the past few years. You know, as I keep watching movies more and more, uh, I, I, you know, I start to notice certain things. It's like, oh, wow, this looks like, you know, so and so directed this or whatever. Or, you know, I like this movie and I realize that, you know, one director directed another movie that I like and I like them both. And it's just, you know, it is, it is definitely, probably the biggest factor whenever it comes to uh whenever it comes to making a good movie you have to have a good director and obviously it's obvious with a lot of these directors we're going to talk about today because some of them i mean everybody has a bad movie you know a lot of these good directors have bad movies but these i think most of their movies are good i maybe my top five on my list I don't, it's hard to find a bad movie. You can find one for sure, but the actors and actresses can do only so much. Sure, they're talented. I mean, this is the best in the world, right, in Hollywood. But the director is in charge of everything, you know, from the beginning, from storyboarding to putting everything together. And then they shoot movies out of sequence, and the director has to explain that to the actor's that, hey, look, this is the part of the movie where we do this, you know. I think it would be very confusing to, to shoot a film out of sequence, but they do it all the time, and the director is responsible for making sure that it's all translated correctly, you know, as, as far as time goes in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, and, you know, what, 
whenever we're getting into this episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up front. I have never I've never claimed to be any kind of expert in movies, and I'm not gonna sit here today and pretend that I know everything about the movie making process, like things like you know technique and angles and lighting and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even gonna really speak about that kind of things. But when you know whenever I'm looking for a good director, you're right. I have to. It basically just comes down to which movies have they done and how many of the movies that they've done do I like and uh, and and uh, I one thing I really like to I really like in a good director is if they are also uh, heavily involved in the writing process you know a lot of directors write you know they write the whole screenplay themselves and then they direct the whole thing themselves and but not everybody does that it's a lot and it's hard to especially just use an IMDB unless you go a little bit deeper like you know a lot of times a lot of times people are getting writing credits for a screenplay or something, but it, you know, it's like they give credit to like four or five guys who have written the movie. So writer gets a little bit fuzzier, uh, than director. So, um, but I do like it whenever a director helps out a lot in the writing. Yeah, there's so much to it and you don't see it all the time. You can watch, you know, extras on, on streaming and on DVD where you see, behind the scenes and you can actually see the director telling the actors what to do and what, you know, you can see who's really good at it. You know, the James Cameron's, the Steven Spielberg's, but you don't see, you just don't see the director. Uh, you don't see them editing the movie afterward. You don't see them putting everything together. The cast, uh, you know, the screen, you mentioned the screenplay. I mean, how about a book? You know, there are books that are written and then the directors has to take that book, have somebody write the screenplay, which is the translation, you know, to the screen, right? Cause you can't put everything in a book in a movie or it'd be 10 hours long, right? So oh. the direct, director is just in charge of the whole thing. You have everybody else. You have the screenwriters. You have the producers. You have the actors, the actresses, and, you know, the grips, you know, everybody involved. But the director is like the composer of the movie, and there are definitely good ones. And I want, I want to say this, too. Um, we are talking about modern directors here. I want to stress that because, you know, there are a lot of old school directors, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, you'll hear names and, you know, you hear them uh, like Orson Welles. We, we're not doing those. I mean, everybody on my list, I'd say the oldest movie that somebody directed off my list, maybe 1968. Uh, but this, these are modern directors, correct? Yeah, I probably don't have anybody. Uh, I probably don't have anybody before, you know, like 1979, you know, not, not getting real early at all. Yeah. So, um, and that's, I don't know if that's a good explanation of what directors do. I hope it is. Cause a lot, you know, they're just in charge of everything. And it's obvious when you see some of their work, uh, that they're good at it. And they're, it's a surprise to me on some of these as well, that you see how many Academy Awards they've won and they've only won one or two for best director. Now they should be given credit for best picture as well, because they're in charge of it. All right. So, if it's a best picture, I consider that an Academy Award for the director. I hate it when they do the best picture and they give it to a, a movie, but then they don't give the director the best director. It should be hand in hand. You know, I, I don't know how they decide between, okay, we're going to give this, this is the best picture, but this guy that directed uh, or this woman that directed this other movie, which isn't the best picture, you know, gets best director. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, that that is that is a little strange. Uh, the yeah, the director is the direct. Like you've already said, the director is in charge of it all. And uh, and I, and you just mentioned how you can recognize certain things. And I like I do like that whenever I can recognize a certain director's work. And uh, and whenever it's, whenever it came to making this list, uh, one of the things that I that I really uh, thought of was, you know, if if this person is directing it then I'm excited to see it. Or at least that's what I'm looking for in a director. I'm not talking about anybody specific, but if I see that Coen brothers are coming out with a new movie, I see that uh, Steven Spielberg's coming out with a new movie. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ex- more excited to see that than is, if it's directed by just some no name. Yeah. It, Steven Spielberg is probably the biggest name in, in Hollywood as far as directors go. I mean, of course there are others like Scorsese, but you're right. Who Are you really looking for, you have to be looking forward to every Steven Spielberg movie that comes out. I, I can't imagine not looking forward to it. And now, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, I, I'd say Christopher Nolan, he might be the one that I look forward to uh, the most seeing his movies. I agree. And I was just actually, but I was just going to use him uh, as a, as an example though. You know, you can't always, you can't always go by that. If, if they're doing it, that it's going to be good because the last movie that Christopher Nolan did, Christopher Nolan is of course, one of my favorite directors. He's on this list today, but the last movie he did was Dunkirk. And, uh, and I was really excited to see that, but I wasn't, I wasn't all that impressed with it. I only saw it one time. I saw it in theaters and I was super psyched and, uh, just, I don't know. I was, I felt like I was a little bit disappointed. And the same thing with, uh, the, the Coen brothers. They had that movie that came out a couple years ago. Uh, it's, it was called Hail Caesar with George Clooney and uh, I forget who yeah. else, but I, th- that movie wasn't very good either. And that was a real bummer. But, uh, but those are, those are just some, uh, just a few outliers. I think most of the time, like, uh, most of the time when these guys are making something, I'm excited. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. I mean, yeah, Dunkirk. I, I think they should have called it Dumbkirk. <laughs> it wasn't very good. But here's what I think was the problem with that. And maybe it's a Christopher Nolan thing here. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to find a bad Christopher Nolan film. Look at everything he's directed and tell me which one is bad besides Dunkirk. So I think he was handcuffed with the fact that the, this was a true story. I mean, you can't take much liberty with a true story. You have to, especially something this important, you know, um, I, I'd say there are some that have, you know, like Steven Spielberg did Saving Private Ryan, a fictitious story, but he had to stick with, you know, the D-Day landings and everything. But he wasn't, you know, I guess he, he took a lot of creative license there because it was a fictional story, but this Dunkirk was a true story. So he couldn't, you know how much creativity could he put into it? Not not a lot. And when you're talking about Christopher Nolan, anyway. Yeah, you're right. But you're you're also right about the other thing you said. Uh, look at all the movies, other than Dunkirk. Uh, pretty much everything he's done has been a slam dunk. I know he did that one that one weird movie, uh, Following. I started watching that one time, and uh, I didn't really care for it. That was kind of a weird one. But uh, but yeah, everything else everything else he's done, he probably has like the best, uh, just the best number of movies to how, how many of them I like, uh, more than any directors. Most of the other directors on my list, I only like about, you know, three, four of their movies, but Christopher Nolan, he's got like five or six movies that I just love. 
Yeah, and another thing about Dunkirk, it, like Christopher Nolan is known for the twists and turns. I mean, look at Inception. I mean, Interstellar. I mean, the twists and turns in movies that he has, especially his endings, you couldn't do that with Dunkirk. I mean, you had to tell it the way it was. So that's probably what the problem was there. I mean, will he go back to something like that again? I don't know. I wouldn't if I was him. Anyway, we're definitely going to talk about him and, and, and plenty of other uh, directors, of course. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, what we've seen recently. Have you seen any uh, TV shows or movies that you, worth mentioning uh, or not worth mentioning? No. you know, Well, you know, I haven't watched anything new lately because I've watched, I was watching a lot of things in prep for this director's podcast. I watched a few movies. I watched a few, I actually watched a few uh, I watched a few interviews just to kind of just to kind of get an idea of what some of these guys are like, because, I mean, I really I you know, I've never really done much digging into what what the directors do and, and what they're like, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty ignorant on the whole topic. So it was, it was fun to kind of, to learn some things about those guys. But, um, out of movies that I watched for this list, just the only thing that I've watched recently, and you're probably going to hate me for even bringing it up was, uh, I decided to watch fight club recently for no reason. Mm-hmm. I just felt like watching fight club. So I watched that the other day, but other than that, I haven't watched anything else recently. I watched uh, a few movies for this podcast, but I I was also watching like interviews, not of the directors, interviews of people that worked with the directors, you know, people that work with James Cameron or Steven Spielberg and the things they have to say about how they, you know, how they conduct themselves on the set and all that. That was very interesting to me, you know, how much they tout them as genius and all that. So uh, I, I found a lot of value in that looking at interviews from people that worked on a set with these these um these guys uh and they ah i'm gonna say that they're all guys i don't have i don't they're all men i don't have any women on my list i mean that's i guess that's saying something i don't know i mean i've seen some good you know some good movies from women directors i mean wonder woman jumps to mind that was perfectly done and best dc movie yet you know i think american psycho Uh, was done by a woman i think i think it was Penny Marshall was a good director. She did like um, A League of Their Own, movies like that. She was very good. Uh, She died recently. Um, So, you know, Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. Angelina Jolie, she she did Unbroken. You know what? She doesn't get enough credit. She she did Unbroken. She did uh, a couple other things. Yeah, she does her – I think she's better as a director sometimes than than an actress. Yeah, I think she's talented, so – I mean, there are women out there that are directing. Just there, are, there aren't a lot, and and we're guys, and we like guy movies. So I guess that you know, this is the result. I, I, I probably should have given it a little more thought, but I just went through and said, "Who are my best directors?" and just spewed out fifteen names. You know, and I hope I don't forget anyone. That's my biggest fear with this one. This is a big episode, directors, and I'm 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 worried more about this one missing someone or forgetting someone. Like you come up with someone, I'm like, damn, I should have thought of that. I hope that doesn't happen here. I don't think it will. I think I got just about everybody I wanted to get. I think yeah, I think um, I think even with my honorable mentions, I think I'll have pretty much everybody covered. It you know, I got down just like every single list in the past, I got down to like that number ten spot and just who I decided to leave on and who I decided to leave off. I couldn't exactly tell you why, but uh, everybody everybody's gonna get credit today. And by the way, a woman named Mary Heron uh, directed American Psycho and I love the movie American Psycho, so Yeah. Yeah, good job. Uh, I changed my number 10 like 
like five minutes before we start recording this. So my number 10 is the same, same deal there. Uh, what have I watched recently? Well, I've watched TV shows mostly. That Star Trek Discovery on CBS is out. I watched the first few episodes of that. It's okay. Um, the Orville, which I like. It's kind of like it's um, Seth MacFarlane's version of Star Trek, I guess you could say. It's actually good. They have humor in it, and they have you know serious plots. It's kind of campy, but... I like Seth MacFarlane. I think he's hilarious. Um, I saw uh, the the third season of True Detective. I've watched the first three episodes. True Detective, the first season with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey was excellent. Excellent. Then I look forward to the second season, Colin Farrell and whoever else, Vince Vaughn, I think. It was not good. I was very disappointed with season two. But this season three... It looks really good. Stephen Dorff's big, big part in it, actually. Uh, but True Detective Season 3, it's on HBO. Start watching that. Uh, have you seen any of the, the True Detectives? I saw the I saw the first season. Couldn't agree with you more that that one's spectacular. But, like, I, I heard from people other than you. Uh, I heard from you, but also from other people that the second season wasn't very good. So I, I never really looked into it, but, uh, the, I saw that I did see that there was a third season advertised. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Another thing that I'm actually psyched about, you just mentioned, uh, who'd you mention Seth MacFarlane or Seth Rogen? Yeah. Seth MacFarlane. Okay. Seth MacFarlane. I was thinking of, uh, I was, whenever you said that, it made me think of, uh, Seth Rogen. Cause I kind of like him too. There's a, there's a new, there's a show on Hulu. I don't know if you've watched it before, but yeah. it's called, uh, future man. Future man. Yeah. And there's a, yeah. there's a second season out right now. I haven't started watching it yet, but I'm psyched about it. Cause the first season was actually pretty hilarious. It's got that kid in it from, uh, from, uh, the hunger games. Yeah, I watched the first, at least the first few episodes in the season one. I saw Seth Rogen's, I guess he's, I saw a trailer, so he's going to be in the season two. But yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's actually pretty funny. And it's good it's show. got time travel in it too. It's pretty good. It's, but in the, in the first season, uh, once you get around like episode three, uh, you should be by that point hooked because that's whenever they kind of start messing with the timeline and everything. And it's where it gets, where it gets interesting. And it's really funny. Uh, I also saw a movie or started watching a movie, and I've always wanted to watch it. I'm embarrassed to say this. Uh, I don't know if I should be or not. It's an old movie. It's touted as like the best movie ever made. A lot of people say that. Orson Welles directed it. He, he was a great director. It's Citizen Kane. I've never, ever watched Citizen Kane. It's you know highly rated, over an eight on IMDb, 100 a hundred Metacritic. So all critics love it. You know, I watched the first 20 minutes. I got to finish the rest of it later, but I don't know. I just can't get into these old movies. I'm sorry. I cannot get into much before, you know, 1960. Right. Yeah, I can't think of. I can't think of the only uh, older movies, like black and white movies, that I've ever watched were more like uh, like older science fiction movies, like Creature from the Black Lagoon or uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man. I never watched any of the ones that are supposed to be classics. Like I never seen Citizen Kane. I've never seen Casablanca. Um, they it doesn't. I, you know, I will someday. I imagine. You know, why? Why? You know, why wouldn't I? Because like, you, I mean, a hundred Metacritic. That's that's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there are too many that, that have that. I haven't seen too many, but I think there are a few, and that's one of them, Citizen Kane. And is it is it riding off of its fame? You know, back then it probably was the best thing in movies, but it just kept, you know, just like um, – what's his name? 
the weird guy, uh, Marlon Brando. Great actor. I agree. But is he the best actor ever? I don't know. I mean, I, I I know Marlon Brando from, you know, Superman when I was a kid. You know, he was Jor-El. I watched some of his older stuff. Yeah, he was really good. But then you start hearing weird things about the guy. Like he he never memorizes lines. He would actually have co-stars tape the, the lines on their chest and he would read it off of there. I mean, what? who does that? He can get away with it because he, he did it in Superman. When he recorded that, he had the actors either hold a card you know, down where you couldn't see it in the camera view when he was talking to someone or he was looking at a cue card. He, he never wanted to memorize his line. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I've heard all kind of weird things about him. I heard there was times where he, uh, he where he refused to wear pants. So they just filmed him from the waist up. Oh, what a weirdo, <laughs> but a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> you talked, you said uh, black and white movies. And the first one that jumped to mind for me was Dr. Dr. Strangelove. You've seen that one. I right? have not. Oh, you got to see that one. That one's actually pretty good uh, for it's I mean, it's 60s, but it's uh, it's about an insane general who triggers a nuclear holocaust. They're in a war room. They got all these politicians and generals and they're trying to stop everything. George C. Scott's in it. Peter Sellers, you know, the Pink Panther guy, Slim Pickens and and a, and a bunch of others. Anyway, that's a good movie. All right. So um, that's all I've seen. And now we'll talk about what's in. What's in theaters now? I don't know if that was necessary, but uh, we did it. <laughs> so let's talk about what's in the what's in theaters now. This is probably a, a pretty it's a recent update. So I mean, we updated on our last episode, but we just want to keep track of these because some of them were, uh, you know, weren't they were just in theaters. So how are they doing? And I see Glass. Still 7.2. That's the one. It's the end of the trilogy uh, from Unbroken. Or, I'm sorry. What did I say? Un, it's uh, Unbreakable. Yeah. Un, unbreakable and um, Split. Uh, split. Yeah. So I'm sure that's worth seeing. Um, it's still, you know, anything over seven, I think, is worth seeing. Uh, we got, uh, you haven't seen, tell me if you've seen one of these. Stop me. But I got Aquaman. Still riding a seven point five. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I really thought it wasn't going to be good, but I'm going to have to go see. It. And I, excuse me for not going to see these movies. I just, I just haven't had time lately. But I, I want to start going to more movies. Uh, that's Spider Man into the Spider Verse. You saw this, man. Eight point seven. Still, I, this must be really good. I am. This is going to be the first cartoon superhero movie that I ever see. Yeah, man. This is definitely definitely worth a look. I guess, man. You know, because it's it's. Uh, I'm looking at it now. Eight point seven. It's been ranked. It's been rated by like twenty thousand more people since uh, since we last talked about it on the last episode. That was a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, good cast, good story. It's worth a look. 87 wow. Metascore. Uh, <laughs> so the critics love it, too. I got to check that out. So uh, we got Bumblebee. That's the spinoff from Transformers. 7.2, respectable. 
I haven't seen that. I'd probably wait till it's on HBO or something. I was pretty bummed out by the last That's, the last Transformers movie. I think the last one had Mark Wahlberg in it again, and like I don't even I couldn't even tell you what it was about, man. It just wasn't. I'm kind of transformed out. <laughs> so uh, there's the Mule, which is the Clint Eastwood directed, and he stars in it as you know an old man. I think he's 90 years old in it, and he's uh, mule and drugs across the border or something like that. You 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 went to see it, but it was sold out. You didn't get a chance, right? right I, so I saw Vice instead. You saw oh yeah, Vice. Uh, that's out. Uh, do you do you have Vice handy? What the what's the rating on that one? I don't have uh, it. No, I don't either. I can bring it up real quick. Uh, Seven point one. Yeah, Seven point one. Still not very many people watching it either. Rated by seventeen thousand people. Metascore sixty one. Seventeen thousand. That's what it's rated. It's been out for a yeah. while. I mean, you look at the Bird Box, which is on Netflix. One hundred fifty eight thousand people have rated that. It's a six point seven. I don't agree with that. I, it's you haven't had a chance to see that yet. Bird have Box. You? Yeah, yeah, I saw Bird. I did see Bird Box. I I don't know if I I don't think I talked about it on the last episode. So maybe that is one I can talk no. about that I saw lately. It's, you hadn't, you didn't see it yet on the last. Oh, episode. okay. So there's one that I forgot. I forgot to mention. Uh, yeah, I saw Bird Box lately, and uh, it was okay. Um, Sandra Bullock. I was pretty. I always kind of liked her. Um, she's. I don't know. She's never really been the greatest actress. I guess she was good in Speed. I liked her in Speed. I liked her in Demolition Man. But you know, uh, right you whenever uh, the movie started, right whenever it started, it's Sandra Bullock. I'm sure you remember. She's she's telling her kids, you know, to not take their blindfolds off and everything. She's just giving them this whole like really hardcore speech. And like right whenever she was done, I just kind of thought like, wow, that was like the that was the, probably the best piece of acting that. Uh, Sandra Bullock's ever done uh, just that opening scene, but the rest of the movie, uh, it was a little, it was it was a good try, you know, it was a good story, it was something kind of different. Um, it it was the the every, everybody knows the premise now, I'm sure, where like you, if you take your blindfold off, you see something that makes you want to kill yourself, uh, which is interesting, and it called for some good some. Uh, good crazy suicide scenes so that was that was you know yeah, yeah. but it her sister, her sister had a good one and john malkovich was in it he was he was really good in it um but yeah i don't know it seemed like it was it seemed like a a straight to netflix type movie i don't know what it was missing but it was certainly missing something i couldn't explain it to you uh, yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but it should be over a seven as far as user ratings go. It's it's worth a watch. Yeah, Please yeah, watch it. Don't let the six point seven scourge you. Yeah, and it's directed by a woman, Susan Beer, I guess. So, yeah, I, I'd say the best scene in it was when, when they were going down on the boat, and she said, "Somebody has to look," and it was going to be one of the kids. That oh. I was like, wow, really? Because if you look at, if you don't, if you take your blindfold off, you're going to die. It's so yeah, yeah. It's got some good scenes in it. I I really enjoyed it. So check check that one out. I and then there's Green Book. That's the one we talked about. It's got high rating, eight point three. Um, that's the Viggo Morganson Morganson movie. And it's the same guy that's in uh, the lead actor in it. Um, he's in. Uh, what I've been that uh, true detective. I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry, I forget <laughs> pronounce his name. But, uh, you know who I'm talking about. He won an Academy Award for Moonlight, I think. 
Oh yeah, okay. I know the guy you're talking about. Um, I'm, I've, I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, I've never even heard of this movie. I can't believe I haven't heard of it. I like Viggo Mortensen. He's one of those actors where if he's in it, typically I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, true, true detective. It's, it's. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Oh, um, I'll try it again. Mayor Shala Ali, good actor. He was in. House of Cards, I've seen him in. Steven Dorf is in this. Uh, like he's his partner as a cop, and he's really good at it. I was pleasantly surprised by Steven Dorf. Wasn't he like a B movie guy or he's got a weird career. I always think of him as Deacon Frost from Blade with Wesley Snipes. That's because that was the first thing I ever saw Steven oh. Dorf in. So uh, gotcha. So uh it's True Detective is you know, got a nine nine rating out of ten. So Got to check that out. At least the first season for sure. And the second season is looking promising after the first three episodes. All right. Here we go. Let's get into the directors. And you go first this week. Sure, sure. Okay. My uh, my number 10. This is, and again, my number 10 spot. Uh, it, it was it was tough to fit somebody in, but this one is a name that everybody's familiar with, and that is Mr. Ridley Scott. Now, uh, Ridley Scott, usually you think of, you think of sci-fi. Um, he did all those, uh, well, he did the first alien movie and I think he did a couple, he did a couple of the newer ones. He did the Martian also. So, you know, that's something that I, that I liked how he was able to do alien, which was in like the seventies. And he just did the Martian, which is an adaptation of an Andy Weir book. I actually read the book before I saw the movie and, uh, the, the movie, the movie was pretty much spot on to the book. And I was very, very happy with that because I cannot stand whenever things from a book are changed for no reason at all. So that was cool that the Martian was spot on accurate from what I remembered. I also found out and I can't believe, well, I mean, I can believe that I didn't know this. He directed a movie. I'm sure you've seen it with uh, Nicholas Cage called matchstick men. Did you know that he directed that movie? I didn't know that. I know the movie. Yeah, I could not, I could not believe that. And I've, uh, I'm, I guess I should check just to make sure that I'm right about that, but uh, I, I, I know I'm surprised with it. And, but, um, but the reason, the reason why I put Ridley Scott on here was, you know, I only like a few of his movies, but, uh, what the movies that of his, that I do like, I do like a lot. I love the original alien. It's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's almost timeless. I mean, yeah, the alien looks a little bit cheesy these days, but it was pretty good for its time. And it's still, it's still just a good, a good story or a good sci-fi story. And by the way, I pulled up matchstick men, definitely directed by Ridley Scott. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's, that's all I have to say about Ridley Scott. Uh, I, I don't have him. I have him as an honorable mention. And I, I know you look at his list of movies and how can you do that? I had him on my list originally and he got bumped. I, you know, he got bumped by a few people until he was bumped off the list. Don't get me wrong. I love Ridley Scott. I mean, look at everything this guy has done. I mean, he's done anything from, from alien to gladiator uh, geez, what I mean, there's uh, Blade Runner, uh, The Martian. You mentioned that. 
He's done um, – what am I missing here? Gladiator was the one that I was forgetting to mention that I should have had it written down or something. But, uh, yeah, Gladiator is one. Like, you know, because obviously whenever I'm looking at my list and think of who, thinking of who to put on here, you know, I, I just type their name and see what they've done. And, like, you know, I, I, I knew he did Alien, but I – forgot or never knew that he did gladiator and uh so like i saw that and i was like wow i gotta have him on the list he also did black hawk down american gangster uh prometheus that was the new the new alien movie i'm not sure yeah he did covenant too um so yeah. yeah, so like he's and he's got another yeah, one coming. He's still he's still doing good things. I've never really been a Blade Runner fan. I haven't seen the new one yet. I tried to squeeze that one in before this episode, but uh, I I definitely got to watch that one before before our next episode. But uh, yeah, Ridley Scott he was doing it a long time ago, and he's still doing it now. He's got a fantastic list of movies. I mean, he's he could easily be in my top ten. I mean, but he does have some. You know, like Robin Hood and Body of Lies, but he did do American Gangster. Uh, yeah, he, he did Hannibal. I didn't know he did Hannibal. Huh? Did you know he did? I Hannibal? did not, and uh, I mean, I didn't know it until till now that I'm looking at all this. You know, and I, for, I I forget who did what. Still, you know, it's hard to keep all these guys yeah. straight. But uh, I haven't seen Hannibal in a long time. I remember not being super happy with it, but I mean, it came out 2001. I'm sure I haven't seen it almost since then. So uh, that one's worth a look because I mean Ray Liotta was in that one and there was a great scene. I'm sure everybody remembers that saw it where they were sitting around the table and uh, Ray Liotta's uh, head gets uh, lifted off. That was pretty wild. Yeah, dinner time. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Was that that <laughs> yes. movie? That was in yeah. there, right? Gary Oldman plays a good role in there. Uh, he did Thelma and Louise. Ridley Scott. Wow. So, I mean, this is a long time ago, but yeah, Blade Runner, I love Blade Runner, the original. I didn't really care for the, the Ryan Gosling and the Harrison Ford new one, but Alien, how can you beat that? As I said, he did Prometheus, and this that was a prequel uh, to Alien, and then he did The Covenant, and there's one more I believe he's going to do that's going to connect as if it's not being connected already with The Covenant, but it's going to connect you know, The Covenant to the first Alien movie. So... He did the first Alien movie, but he didn't do the second one. And I know a lot of people get on my case here, but I thought the second one by James Cameron was, in a lot of ways, better. A lot more action. I mean, I, I really like the second one better than – a little bit better than the first one anyway. And we talked about this on the last episode, how uh, I just – it's just one of those things that got lost in the shuffle, how you know Ridley Scott did the first one, but James Cameron did the second one. I was – just surprised i was surprised by that surprise i'd forgotten or never knew that before and i keep meaning to watch the second i keep meaning to watch aliens now because james cameron also another favorite director of mine and uh, that's just that's just so that's just so great that uh both of those guys had a hand in making those movies because i love I, I mean i've seen aliens but it's been a long time i just like that whole i like the whole franchise really um but i but yeah, so definitely uh aliens I need to watch before the next episode. I I mean he does a lot more producing, I guess, than directing. He he has Scott Free Productions, which was a production company owned by he, he and his brother, um um what's his name? Ridley Scott and uh the guy who, who died a few years ago. Top Gun. I'm not sure. You know, his brother. His brother, um <laughs> Ridley Scott's brother. You know this one. No, I, I, I've never heard this before. 
You've heard this before because I told you once and you goes, I didn't know they were brothers. I'm sorry, Tony Scott. <laughs> Dave's Thunder. So Tony Scott, Top Gun guy. He was going to do Top Gun too, but he, 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 he died. I don't know, a few years ago, but they, they're brothers and they had a, it's called Scott Free Productions and they do a lot. He has like, he has like 46 movies in production. So he's a lot busier with that than directing, it seems. So uh, great pick. I, as I said, he's like number one on my honorable mention list. So I guess uh, you could say he's number 11 for me. All right. And anything else about him? Marshall was really good. That, that might be one of my favorites from him. Yeah, that was that was a good one. And that's another thing you say. Uh, that's another thing I always forget about. Uh, like you hear big names, but uh, you always forget which one is like a director or a producer. You know, these guys have they have their hands in, in a lot of things. And uh, and I do I did know that Ridley Scott did a lot of uh, a lot of producing. And I've he's one of those ones that I confuse all the time. Like, didn't he direct that? No, maybe he just produced it. So I'm still learning. I, yeah, Steven Spielberg produces a lot of things too. I mean, you thought for years I thought he was the director of Back to the Future trilogy when I was younger, but yeah, he just produced it because right at the beginning it says Steven Spielberg presents. You know, uh, you know, you learn about where to spot the director. Anyway, so he he's produced a lot, um, and he has a lot of influence. Obviously, I mean, remember the Transformers mess where it was uh, what's his name. Uh, Shia LaBeouf was in the first Transformers trilogy, and then they filmed Ray, um, Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which Shia LaBeouf was in, and then he he badmouthed the movie. You know, he said they dropped the ball on this one or all this. You don't do that to Steven Spielberg. And all of a sudden, he's no longer in Transformers because Steven Spielberg produced Transformers. So he has a lot of influence in Hollywood. You don't. Why would you ever say anything against Steven Spielberg? Dumb, but that Shia LaBeouf is a weirdo. So, all right, so uh, we'll move on to my number, my number ten, and this is uh, this guy started out as an actor. A lot of these directors start out as actors and later on start to direct, but very few of them go on to be fantastic directors. And this guy is a great director. I mean, he's got some personal issues. He was kind of banned from Hollywood for a few years, but he seems to be making a comeback. He's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson has done. A lot of great movies as far as directing goes. He did Passion of the Christ, which some people, you know, controversial or they didn't like it, whatever. But, you know, he's done, um, oh, what's that? Braveheart. He, did, he won the Academy Award for that oh, yeah. one, right? Yeah. So, uh, Braveheart, uh, you know, he's not, that's the thing. Some of these are, they're great. They're a lot better directors than they are actors. So I mean that happens a that happens a lot. I mean look, Ron Howard was a was an actor in TV and I don't know what else he did, but then he you know became a fantastic director. And Mel Gibson does the same thing. Now I'll say this: Mel Gibson hasn't directed a lot of movies, but the ones he has, most of them are, are pretty good. I mean Hacksaw Ridge, I loved it. Uh, Apocalypto, uh, Braveheart. Your what are your favorite? Braveheart. But he hasn't done, you know, what, six, seven movies? So I know maybe I shouldn't have put him on the list because of the quantity. But you know what? If he didn't have that those problems where they kind of banned him for a few years, who knows what he would have had? You know, Hacksaw Ridge was his last one. That was three years ago. Is he gonna is he gonna do another one? Uh, he's got some upcoming projects, but you know, as far as directing them, I don't know. He's supposed to do a Passion of the Christ Resurrection. I don't know about that, but 
Uh, I I love Mel Gibson as a director. I'm actually really surprised that you put him on your list. He's only an honorable mention for me today. I know I've mentioned him in the past about maybe being one of my favorite directors, but you know, and I I looked at it the same way you did. I love Braveheart and I love Apocalypto. Both of those movies are fantastic. I could they're ones that I've I've watched several times. Braveheart, I've it's like a three hour movie. I've probably seen Braveheart fifty, even a hundred times, not counting you know seeing it all the way from beginning to end. But um, Passion of the Christ, that was you know that was it was okay. At least it was seen well directed to me. I only saw it once whenever it came out a while ago. Hacksaw Ridge, uh, that was that was another instance where um, uh, I was excited because I was really excited because Mel Gibson was directing Hacksaw. Ridge, but uh, I don't know. It's just certain certain things about it. I just hacksaw Ridge. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite movie or anything. Good movie, good story, of course. But um, it I only saw it once. I'd like to see it again to give it another chance. It wasn't as good as Braveheart or Apocalypto, in my opinion. But I left I left Mel Gibson off my list today. But <clears throat> excuse me, but definitely one of my uh, honorable mentions. You have to see Axel Ridge again, please, because it is it is very good, especially if you know the story. I watched it before I went and saw because I knew it was coming out. I watched the documentary on this guy, and I I never heard of him until the movie was coming out. And it was a guy that was a conscientious objector during World War II, but he still wanted to serve. He wanted to be a medic. Uh, he wouldn't touch a gun in basic training. They wanted to kick him out, and they couldn't. I mean, they just it, the story is a fantastic story. I guess he, he the guy he saved like seventy five lives during during this battle. It's amazing what this guy did and how he did it. And I guess Mel Gibson. I think I was watching an extra for it or something. It was either him or someone else said. I think it was Mel Gibson. There was this guy did so many fantastic things that Mel Gibson didn't put some of the things in the movie because he thought that people would think that he made them up. To make it more dramatic. That's how how much this guy did. So he had to kind of cut back on how good this guy was. It's a fantastic story. It's a true story. And even the way it's uh, written and the way it's made now, you're not, no way that happened. Mel Gibson had to take some liberties with this, but he didn't. It's all true. So Hacksaw Ridge, that's probably my favorite Mel Gibson directed film. I, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. So if anybody hasn't seen that one, you got to go check it out. That's that's all I got to say about that one. How about number nine for you? Okay, number nine for me. This one might be kind of a surprise to you or anybody who's listening. Uh, and I went with I went with Harold Ramis. Um, uh, I thought yeah. about him. Yeah. Now uh, I, I looked at several. I looked at several uh, comedy comedy directors, uh, guys like Judd Apatow or the Fairley Brothers. But Harold Ramis, he's he's uh, totally one of the one of the original comedy writers. In case anybody isn't, because a lot of people don't know this, and actually Harold Ramis passed away not too long ago. And uh, I had some friends tell me that they. This, they just didn't really know. Oh, that's uh, that's Egon from the Go- from Ghostbusters, who which Harold Ramis he actually wrote that, or at least he he's credited with some writing some of it. I mean he's 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 had a hand in writing all those old uh, National Lampoon's movies, Animal House, uh, Stripes. Uh, the ones that he's known for directing are some of my favorite movies: Groundhog Day, Multiplicity, and Vacation. Those are his his bigger ones, and he's just one of the one of the original comedy writers and directors and i thought that he was he definitely deserved to be on the on this list for me today 
Yeah, he wrote some of Ghostbusters. He was a very talented guy. You mentioned Groundhog Day. That that's my favorite. The fav my favorite from Harold Ramis. And you're right. A lot of people don't know how much this guy did. He directed a lot of films. Uh, so and, and he starred in them. You know, he was in Stripes. He was in. You mentioned he was in Ghostbusters. He he wrote. You know, analyzed this, or at least he was one of the writers. So. He wrote a lot of stuff, uh, Caddyshack, uh, Meatballs, um, a lot of cheesy ones like Pack to School and Club Paradise. He did like the, um, the the screenplays for those. But as far as directing, I, I agree with you. I, I think he was great. I actually thought of him, but I just didn't think, you know what? I just didn't give too much weight to the 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 directors that direct comedies i don't know why you mentioned the Farrelly brothers i they're not on my list i'd say honorable mention but what have they done lately they've just like lost it it's like john hughes he was great breakfast club you know pretty pink all those 80s comedies that he did or teenage movies those were fantastic but then he just seemed to lose it right he i mean this is the same thing i would say you know, for the Farrelly brothers, they're just not funny anymore. I don't understand why. All their movies, at the you know, the first however many movies they did were the funniest movie I've ever seen, Dumb and Dumber. I mean, what happened to them? I, I don't know. I don't know either, man. And another another one that uh, that is kind of like that is uh, Judd Apatow. He hasn't done much lately. He did he did Forty Year Old Virgin. At least I'm pretty sure he directed Forty Year Old Virgin. But he he was at least involved, and he does mo- he does all those movies that were kind of like that. They were kind of a different. They were just a different style comedy. It was fan. I mean, it was fantastic. Forty Year Old Virgin, especially whenever it came out, it was just it was so different and so funny in a different way. And, uh, but then his movies kind of just, they kind of started to become the same thing. I think he, I think one of the last ones he did was, uh, this is 40 with Paul Rudd. And uh, I I forget her name. I think it's actually his wife, uh, plays Paul Rudd's wife in that movie. You get sick of of their humor. I don't, I don't get sick of the Fairly Brothers humor. Then you see Dumb and Dumber two and it's awful. And I don't know. I, I just, Harold Ramis, uh, uh, this is probably the one thing that bothers me about Harold Ramis. I mean, he, he did some classics, man. Caddyshack, Vacation, Groundhog Day, Multiplicity. You forgot that one. How about that? That was great with Michael Keaton. That was kind of like post-Batman, and he did that. It was hilarious. You got to check out Multiplicity if you haven't seen that. But I went to see a movie because Harold Ramis had directed it back in 2009. It was called Year One with your favorite actor, Jack Black. I, I just <laughs> – it was Awful. One of the few times in my life I wanted to walk out of the theater. It was just totally awful. And I think you make something like that that's that bad. I, I don't know. It just soured me to Harold Ramis. But, yeah, poor guy died only 69 years old. I think he had, he had cancer or something. But I, I like the pick. I actually thought about it. I, I, I didn't even put him on honorable mentions. But I guess he could be an honorable mention. I Yeah. Yeah, we were and we we were talking about we were we were talking about um, National Lampoon movies, and that just reminds me of a movie that we haven't talked about yet, and I feel like this is a good enough time to bring it up. Uh, I think it's a Netflix original movie. It's called A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Have you seen that yet? No. Oh man, I'll tell you what. That's what it's called. It's called A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Now, it is about um it is about the guy who actually wrote Caddyshack. Um and he's uh 
he uh, his name was Doug Kinney, who is actually the character's name in Multiplicity, in Multiplicity, directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, Harold Ramis is actually this, this futile and stupid gesture movie. It's kind of like a. It's just kind of like you know a uh, a biopic or biopic. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that that word, but uh, it's it's got uh, it's got that guy that plays MacGruber in it. You know who I'm talking. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 I know he, you're talking about. yeah he play he plays Will Forte. He plays Doug Kinney, yeah. and Doug Kinney is uh, the original writer of Caddyshack, and it's it's just kind of about the creation of National Lampoon and everything. It's very it's very well done. It's uh, it's got and it's got all these guys. Um, it's got all these guys playing the guys from the National Lampoon days like Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and all those guys. It's interesting to see, see them played by other people. Um, so just, yeah. And if you haven't seen that one, man, you definitely need to check that one out. I'll say, okay. So I didn't, I didn't include anyone that did comedy. I guess if I was going to include someone that did comedies, it would be the Farrelly brothers. But as I mentioned, if they've waned in the last several years, I didn't put them on my list. I think you have to be consistent. And I think most of the people on my list are consistent. Of course, with the Fairly Brothers, you had Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin, There's Something About Mary, Me, Myself, and Irene, Shallow Howl, Stuck on You, even Fever Pitch, The Heartbreak Kid. I'm Excellent. And then you get into Dumb and Dumber 2 and, and, and stuff like that. So the Fairly Brothers... I mean, what have they done lately? I, I don't know, but I, I like Harold Ramis. But if I was going to put comedy, it'd probably be Fairly Brothers. They're they're an honorable mention for me. Is that it? We're done with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. okay, so that was your um, number nine. And uh, speaking of brothers, my number nine is uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Excellent directors. They have done they. They, I think they're pretty consistent. Uh, what's your favorite from them? I'd say Fargo is my favorite. That's that's probably mine too. That's a tough one, man, because I also love No Country for Old Men too. But probably that Fargo. Is, probably Fargo. Now they did this. Um, they wrote this. This uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's on uh, Netflix, and it's them. And I did. I love the first one, but. Then, it, then it, you know, it's a, a multi-story. It's like five stories in one movie. I loved the first one, and then it kind of got worse as you went along. Uh, but Coen Brothers, the Hail Caesar, I think you talked about that earlier. But True Grit, these are, you know, I'm going backwards here. True Grit was, was good, Burn After Reading. No Country for Old Men, fantastic. They did this one in 2004 with Tom Hanks called The Lady Killers. A lot of people don't like it. It's a comedy. In a remake, I think they did it a long time ago, but I thought it was hilarious. A lot of people don't like Lady Kill. Did you ever see Lady Killers? I love Lady Killers, and I actually, I mean, the, the Coen Brothers are on my list too. They're a little bit higher up, but uh, they, yeah, Lady. I totally forgot that they did Lady Killers till you just said it. Um, but yeah, they they're definitely. Uh, they're definitely they have their own style like none of their movies are the same but they are all the same in some kind of weird way those guys those guys are they're definitely on some other level yeah so and and i said i didn't include any comedy they have a lot of comedy in their movies i mean some of them are comedies of course but if you can do comedy as well as you do drama i think you're very talented now i know you liked old brother where art thou i i just never liked that i don't know why 
You I like that. that one. I like I like George that one Clooney. a lot. Yeah, I do like that one a lot. I like that one. It's it's very strange. Well, they're, all their movies are very strange. I, I watched Fargo yeah. and prep. I watched Fargo and prep for this podcast because it is probably my favorite, and because it's, it's snow. It's snowing around here too. So I usually the first uh-huh. snow, first heavy snow of the year. I usually put on Fargo. Um, yeah, and they big, also did, the they also Lebowski. did the Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We thought that same time. Uh, they did a uh, Hudsucker Proxy. You want to talk about weird? It's got Tim Robbins. And um, the, Tim Robbins and what's his name? Um, the One of the best actors ever, uh, Paul Newman. And it is weird. You got to check it out, though. I thought it was very interesting. I couldn't stop watching. I've seen it several times. You ever see that one? I have not. <laughs> it's good. You got to see. You've never seen Hudsucker Proxy. It never really made it big, I don't think, in the theaters. But. I used to love that movie. It's from 1994, I believe, and it's got a 7.3 user rating and 53 Metascore, but it's just weird. Uh, Tim Robbins starts out, it's, I think it takes place like in the 30s, but he starts out like in the mailroom and then he moves his way up through the company and he invents the hula hoop. It's, it's, I thought it was really good. Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing. And then there's this one. Let's play a clip from one of... The Coen Brothers movies. This is one of my favorite, probably uh, number two for me, for them. Here we go. Hey, I'd like you to meet Gail and Abel's notes. My pair is ever broken air. <laughs> Boy, here's my wife. Well, it's been kind of late for visitors, isn't it, huh? Oh, well, yeah, honey. But these boys just got out of the joint. So we got to show a little hospitality. Well, now, H.I. Looks like you've been up to the devil's business. <laughs> that a hammer or her? It's a little boy. Got a name, does he? Uh, so far, we've just been using Junior. We call him Junior. <laughs> you, mean, you mean J.R., just like TV show? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Welcome home, son. Where's he been? <laughs> he was uh, visiting his grandparents. They're separated. Oh, would that be your folks, ma'am? No, I'm afraid not. Well, I thought you said your folks was dead, H.I. Well, we thought Junior should see their final resting place. Why don't you boys have a seat? <laughs> It's two in the morning. What's that smell? We don't always smell this way, Miss McDonough. I was just explaining to your better half here that when we were tunneling out, we happened to hit the main sewer line. Dumb luck, that. And we followed that to... You mean you busted out of jail? No, ma'am. We released ourselves on our own recognizance. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. Lord, he's cute. He's a little outlaw. You can see that high. Now, listen. You folks can't stay here. Ma'am? You just can't stay. Now, I appreciate you being friends of high and all, but this is a decent family now. I mean, we got a toddler here. Hey, who wears the pants around here, H.I.? <laughs> oh, Raising Arizona, of course. And uh, that if you can't tell, that's uh, John Goodman. He's hilarious in this. And I think this is uh, Nicolas Cage's second best movie, second best performance. 
What do you say to that? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, his best performance, of course, I'm sure you're talking about leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. No, wait a second. I'm talking about uh, one of his late one of, that he's made recently. No, I would never do that. <laughs> Any movie he's made in the last ten years is awful. But uh, yeah, I think this is second one to Leaving Las Vegas. Remember, remember, Nicolas Cage was the he was the man. The, I'd say, ooh, mid nineties. Right after he won that Academy Award, he was the Hollywood guy. A lot of people, you know that are younger can't imagine this right nicholas cage was the guy right you remember that oh the yeah Rock. oh yeah there was you like know, there was like all that stuff. like six or seven movies that came out in like six or seven years and he was in all of them i can't keep them all straight face off eight millimeters snake eyes the rock uh i mean 20 million dollars a picture he was getting and now he's just making <sighs> i don't even want it depresses me <laughs> I don't even want to get into Nicholas Cage. But anyway, that's the Coen brothers. Probably my, my second favorite one of them. And it's comedy. So obviously they can do comedy. If you have not seen Raising Arizona, it's older. My God, it's 22 years old, 32 years old, 32 years old, that movie. Wow. 1987. That's a year before you were born. Still fantastic. Fargo. Um, they do. They produce the. They're executive producers for the TV show. The TV show is good. Have you seen the Fargo TV show? I didn't think it would be anything, but it's really good. No, I haven't seen it. I hear. I hear. Always hear it's good. And from people that have seen the movie, they tell me it's good. Yeah, I, I've seen the first two seasons. I think I got to catch up on the latest one. There are so many TV shows. You're like, wow, I forgot I was watching that last year, and it was really good. You know, there are really good TV shows, and there are so many that you kind of forget about how good they are. I don't know. It's so many options, especially on Netflix. And you know, Netflix, just a little tangent here. They, they just increased their rates. I don't know if you heard that the other day, they said they've done it like two years in a row now. And I think it's up to like 15 bucks and people are really complaining about that. I, I don't think I would complain if it was 30 bucks. That's a, that's a hell of a service. Netflix, all those TV shows, they do have too much. They have fantastic content. They make movies now. Why would you be upset about fifteen bucks a month? Well, you know, I, the first thing that I thought whenever they said they raised it like one dollar, like they raised it by one dollar, I'm pretty sure. And it's like whenever they said that, I just thought to myself, well, they just made an extra billion dollars a month. And yeah, but but I mean, the thing is, it seems like they're really stepping their game up lately. And I'm sure it costs more money to have better movies on Netflix. And they keep getting better. The the amount of good movies on Netflix. I remember whenever Netflix first came out, it was like it was almost unwatchable. Like you like you basically watched all the movies they had in like a month, and then you had nothing else to watch after that. But now they keep changing it. They keep adding really good movies on there. I don't see what the problem is. I like I said, I would pay thirty bucks. As a matter of fact, I mean, I have Directv now, the streaming service. You know, you don't need the dish, so that's my cable. You know, it's like forty bucks a month, and I have HBO. It's like HBO alone is fifteen dollars a month. It's worth it too. They have excellent TV shows, and you know some of the latest movies. But their thing, you know, is TV shows now with all these streaming services. Hulu is like you know twelve or thirteen bucks a month. If I had to pick one of these. And only go with the if I you have to pick one service Hulu, Netflix, HBO, you know Showtime, whatever. Um, even the even the cable, I would pick Netflix. If I could only pick one, I would pick Netflix. 
Oh yeah, every time. Because I can be I can be entertained by that for years, you know. Because there's so much I haven't even touched on there. There's all these TV shows, and then all of a sudden, like I said, is, is another TV show. There's uh, the Punisher is back for another another season. I thought that was excellent. I don't have time to watch all this stuff. So I know that's a tangent, but I, I just don't. You know, people were really complaining about that, and I didn't. I didn't get it. So anyway, that's uh, that's the Coen Brothers. Your turn for number eight. Okay, my number eight. Now this is this is uh, one of those cases where we talked about uh, earlier. You know, Mel Gibson. He only he hasn't done very many movies, but the movies that he has done are fantastic. And this is why this guy is on my list, and that is Frank Darabont. Now, Frank Darabont is the director of the two best Stephen King adaptations ever. Um, and that's the Green Mile and the Shawshank Redemption. Um, those are those are really those are really the only two movies from Frank Darabont that I like. But I mean, they are two of my favorite movies. Shawshank, of course, my all time favorite movie. So I feel like you know the director of my all time favorite movie should be on this list today. So absolutely, Frank Darabont has to make it on here. And um, aside from aside from you know the things. Some of the things that directors do, like getting the cast together or getting their whole crew together and everything, uh, music is always one of them. And in both these movies, Frank Darabont uses Thomas Newman, and I really like the music in both these movies. It's kind of like an orchestra, string orchestra style type thing, and uh, it definitely is fantastic how it opens the, the Shawshank Redemption that way with Morgan Freeman uh, narrating in that music playing in the background, the green mile likewise has great music in it. And, um, yeah, again, the best Stephen King adaptation. Stephen King is my, he's my favorite author. And, uh, the only other, the only other, uh, Stephen King adaptation that is really good is stand by me. And I think that was, I think that was Rob Reiner, right? Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Yeah, Yeah, Rob Reiner. And, uh, yeah, that's the only other good Stephen King adaptation. I think all the other ones, you know, I can't think of any other ones really. All the other ones are kind of cheesy. But, uh, these two, Frank Darabont, they were, uh, they were fantastic. So he had to make my list. I actually thought about Frank Darabont for exactly why you did the Green Mile and the Shawshank Redemption, and I understand what you're saying. Your, your best movie, your favorite movie, should be you know the director. Do, do you really can you dismiss him when they directed the, the movie you thought was the best? And uh, you you may have right if you thought okay Shawshank Redemption that's my favorite movie. I got to include him on there. If that was the only reason and he, that was the only movie he directed, you probably wouldn't put him on here. But the fact that he did the Green Mile. And he, he did the screenplay for both of those two, Shawshank and Green Mile, which is the most difficult part of trans, translating a book to a movie. And he did that very successfully with the Green Mile and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, those are excellent movies and excellent screenplays. And he did a fabulous job of directing them. I agree with you. I, he's an honorable mention for me. And I understand why you did that. Uh, my favorite movie, number one for me was, you know, Shawshank's number two, Forrest Gump. It's just edged it out. They're right neck and neck. Do I include Robert Zemeckis? You know, I mean, he's, he, he did Forrest Gump. I understand. I, I went through the same thought process, process as you. And I, I completely understand why, why you put him on there. Uh, you mentioned Rob Reiner. He's an honorable mention for me. And I, I'll tell you why. I, I think Rob Reiner has done, Excellent work as far as a 
director goes. Rob Reiner was he was on um, what was the TV show back in the seventies? All the um, family. All the family. He was on that, and that, he was known as Meathead. But then he started getting into directing, and he did a he did a great job with with quite a few movies. Um, the best one I think is A Few Good Men. I mean, he was that was excellent. The way he his directing style is different, but he's, he's had some really good movies. And I really thought about putting him on, on my list top 10, but I couldn't, I, I, the quantity wasn't there. And that's probably why Frank Darabont isn't on mine. That's not the quantity. He doesn't just those two movies I can think about, but with Rob Reiner, you know, LBJ with Woody Harrelson, whatever, you know, he did, Movies that you look at, what, what, I don't understand why he even did some of the movies. I mean, he had some Ghost of the Mississippi. An excellent one is The American President with, you've seen that, right? With Michael Douglas. That's great. A Few Good Men. Misery. He directed Misery. So there's a Stephen King adaptation, right? He did. He did uh, When Harry Met Sally, The Princess Bride, Stand By Me, we talked about. This is Spinal Tap. Excellent stuff back in the 80s and 90s. But after that, nothing. I mean, I saw him in an episode on a TV show on, on CBS. I, I don't know what he does now, but I, I don't know how much more directing he's he's going to do or, you know, I, I don't know. Have you heard anything that he's coming out with? I don't mm-hmm. I don't I haven't heard him in a while. You don't hear his name that much anymore. No, you really don't. Uh, he was an honorable mention for me, too, because I knew that he did a few good men. But, yeah, the quantity's not there. After that, after that, his next best movie would be Stand By Me and then and then probably Misery. Misery's pretty good. Misery is pretty good, yeah. man. Kathy, Kathy Bates is great in there. American President's good. But after that, I know I saw Ghost to Mississippi, but I saw it like one time. So I don't remember how good that was. And all his other stuff, I don't, you know, I really haven't seen. But he's an honorable mention for me, for sure. Yeah, so he hasn't done much lately, so I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's why he's honorable mention for me. But I totally see what, why you put Frank Darabont on there. I, I just the screenplay abilities alone. I if I was Stephen King, I would try to recruit him to do more. You mentioned before you want to see another a remake of actually the one they did before. Um, what was that? Tommy movie? Knockers. Tommy I want to see you Tommy Knockers. See Let's get Frank Darabont in there, you know? That's what I – Stephen King is, you know, known for saying uh, – he does give his opinions on – I mean, he's the, the guy – how many books has he written and how many have become movies? He's the most. He's the most prolific as far as taking his books and making them into movies. The most, absolutely. I can't think of anyone even close, you know, like John Clancy maybe or whoever does, you know, movies like that. But uh, Clear and Present Danger and with Harrison Ford and stuff like that. But, but – um, I, I I would say, let's see. I was lost my train of thought there. So, um, what were we saying? I'm well, sorry. it is. Well, we're talking about uh, guys doing Stephen oh, King adaptations. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, take, so tell him to. If I, Stephen King would say, that's what I say about his his opinions on movies. He didn't like. I guess he didn't like The Shining. He no. didn't like that that film. Uh, there are other. Which was Stanley Kubrick. I mean, wow. I mean, you, I don't know if I even say that at the time, even it was early seventies, you know, he had done a space odyssey 2001. I mean, Stanley Kubrick is wow. Way up there, you know, but I would get Frank Darabont, you know, you know, he's going to do a good job, right? Why hasn't he done more Stephen King movies? 
I don't know. I really wish he would because Stephen King, I mean, it's almost like Stephen King movies are one of the only things that's left for us to start doing in Hollywood. I mean, they're, they're doing the superhero thing to death. They're doing a lot of true stories now. That's a lot of, that's a, that's a big market right now. Uh, Stanley, we just mentioned Stanley Kubrick. He's, he's an honorable mention for me, but I, I really left him off because the only movie of his that I really like is, um, is, uh, why? Why can't I think of the? Yeah, I know what you're thinking of. Arlie Full Army. Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. yeah, Full Metal Jacket. That's that's his best one. After that, I like Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut's pretty good. People go crazy for A Clockwork Orange, and I I saw it once. It, it was it, it was okay, but it was definitely strange. It, it's probably a better book, I would imagine. But uh, The Shining. I was I like The Shining. Um, and, uh, and I saw it before I read the book and, uh, I don't know. I was never a huge fan of the shining. That's another one of those movies. It's good to watch whenever you got like, you're like snowed in and you got nothing else to do, but uh, it's, and that's because the shining is one you could almost fall asleep to and not be real upset about it. Yeah, I wasn't a big shining fan, but I am a big Stanley Kubrick fan. That's actually a surprise. I thought you would have him on your list. I actually thought we would have. A, a double here on my list and yours by now i'm sure we'll have a few in the top five we haven't repeated one yet so i guess we get to talk about more directors um we already talked about about 10 of them so <laughs> yeah okay so that was your number eight and here's my number eight and this guy's you know known for his acting of course he, he was acted in the spaghetti westerns way back in the 60s he was dirty harry in the 70s i mean he's he did a lot. Then he started, you know, he, he did directed a lot sooner than a lot of people think. It's Clint Eastwood. I think Clint Eastwood is a brilliant director. I, I like him as an actor too, but you know what? He's, I think he's better acting in the movies that he actually directs, you know, because of course he and the director are going to be on the same page, right? But he's done a lot, a lot of movies in fantastic movies where he's directed. I haven't seen the latest one, Mule, but. You know, he's done um, – I want to see which first one. I can't remember what the first one he did was. It was a long time ago too. Let's see. I think it was in the 70s. He did one of the – I think he did one of the Dirty the Dirty Harry movies maybe. He was – actually played Misty for me. 1971 was his first one. I don't even know what that is. But he did directed The Outlaw Josie Wales, uh, The Gauntlet, Bronco Billy, Firefox where he's a fighter pilot, uh, Honky Tonk Man, Sudden Impact. That was a Dirty Harry movie. Pale Rider. That was a good one. Heartbreak Ridge, he directed that. He directed The Rookie with Charlie Sheen, which was good at the time. Unforgiven was unforgettable. Great movie. A Perfect World with Kevin Costner. Bridges of Madison County. Okay, the love story thing. But um, True Crime Space Cowboys, cheesy, but it was fun. You know, Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, Flags of Our Fathers, Letters from Iwo Jima, uh, Changeling, Gran Torino, Invictus, Hereafter, J. Edgar, Jersey Boys, American Sniper, Sully, and then a crap one, the fifteen seventeen to Paris, which, <laughs> yeah. But I just named how many movies? This guy, great movies, you know. They, he's a fantastic director, and I, he's older now. I like to see him, you know, in movie. Grant Torino, wow. A great performance. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the mule, and I hope he's with us for a lot longer. He doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. I look forward. This is one of the guys I look forward to their movies 
Absolutely. Any movie he's going to make, I am going to watch regardless of the rating. I knew that I knew that he would probably I, at least I kind of had an idea he would be on your list. He's an, he's another one. He's not on my list. He's an honorable mention for sure. I wrote I wrote his name down, ended up not going with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, he does. He started directing his own movies a long time ago. And I mean, I love the outlaw Josie Wales Unforgiven. I'm pretty sure that was best picture whenever that came out. And then yeah, right. coming got a. Gene Ackman got Academy Award for Supporting Actor. And then right the next year, you got A Perfect World. I've been watching A Perfect World since, like, I was the age of uh, that kid in that movie. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. then after that, you know, I uh, uh, probably the best one after that is, well, you got Mystic River, but then Gran Torino's the best one after that. Million Dollar Baby, I liked that one, but it was it was just okay because that was one of the, like, I, I just wanted that movie to end, Million Dollar Baby. I, mean, I didn't. I thought it surprised me. I... I knew what it was about when I went to see it. I'm like, wow, this isn't going to be good. But it was excellent. It was excellent because of Clint Eastwood. His acting and his directing, especially his directing. Well, I liked it. Uh, I, I definitely liked it. But what I mean was I just, you know, I'm, I'm about to spoil spoiler alert here, everybody. But I'm sure everybody knows what happens in that movie, how she ends up getting paralyzed. Okay. And then it's mm-hmm. it, like, it's just kind of like, I just want the movie to end. Like, I didn't want to see her suffer and all that stuff anymore. It was just like, it got a little bit it too much. Depressing. It is depressing. It's not a fun movie. Even even um, Morgan Freeman's character is depressing. It, it, the whole thing is pretty depressing. I, maybe when she's winning, uh, while she's winning, it was fun. But yeah, it gets it gets real sad real fast, and stays sad for the rest of the movie. You know, one one of his that I still haven't seen that I really would like to see. I just haven't gotten around to it, and that's Jersey Boys. I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if it's any good or not. I just want to see it because uh, because of the music in the movie. I like uh, I like Frankie Valli. I think I start watching. I didn't finish it. I, it just wasn't for me. Really? I was not um, a fan. But, I was not a fan of American Sniper. Really, though, I wasn't a big fan of that. But it was okay. This thing, this uh, fifth, the fifteen seventeen to Paris. It's a true story about these American guys that were on a, a train, I guess, going to Paris, and there was some terrorists were going to try to do something, and they saved the train or whatever. I didn't really. I didn't watch it. I watched parts of it. I get he chose the real guys. The real heroes to act in it, and I thought that was a horrible choice. You, you can really tell, even in the trailer, that these guys—they're not actors. You really see. Watch that if you want to see. You know, a lot of people bag on actors and actresses like they're just not good. Watch something like this and see what a bad actor is—someone that's not an actor—and you understand why how talented some of these actors are. Oh, I can act. That's easy. It's not easy. Try it. I mean, it's just anyway. Uh, that one I didn't care for, but I'm looking forward to seeing seeing the mule. So let's take a, a, a listen to one of the best scenes in, in Gran Torino. I did have to edit this. I apologize. We run a clean podcast here, so you're going to hear a lot of edits, but I think you will get the gist. I mean, I tried to, I was telling you earlier, I tried to edit a piece from The Departed, but I couldn't do it. There was just, you wouldn't hear every other word. But let's try to listen to this one. This is from uh, Gran Torino. The f*** you looking at, old man? Huh? What the hell are these spooks up to? Spooks? Spooks? You better get your ass on, hunky, while I still let you. That's right, That's what you better do. What you think you live? Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have with? 
crazy, man. Get out of here, man. Then why don't you get your ass up out of here before I kick your old wrinkly white ass? Son, by the way. Yeah, in real life. Super spade or something. These guys don't want to be your bro, and I don't blame them. Now get your old fake patty ass on down the road. <laughs> Take care now. Yeah, you too. So if you haven't seen Gran Torino, boy, are you missing out on a good film. I mean, it's over. It's an 8.1 user rating, 72 Metascore. I gave it an 8. It's one of my favorite from Clint Eastwood, acting and directing. Uh, he was fantastic in it. He's a disgruntled old Korean war veteran, and he lives, I believe they're in Detroit, and he lives next door to these uh, Hmong teenagers, like Asian family. And they're all over in the neighborhood, and he doesn't like it. He's racist. I mean, look what he's you know, calling those guys. He's he has so many racist, you know, words. I've never even heard of half of them. I mean, he's he just it, it's actually so bad. He's so bad. It's almost funny, but it's not. You know, he, this guy's just he's ignorant. But he really starts to you know this kid. There's a, a brother and a sister that live next door. The the Asians and they. The, the the kid tries to steal his car, and boy, he he does not like that kid. Right, he points a gun at him, get off my lawn. Uh, but they start to develop a race relationship. You know, I'm not into tearjerker movies that much, but this one is it, it'll make you sad, won't it? Oh yeah, and uh, and it's it's definitely not as bad as it might come off. I mean, yes, yes, Clint Eastwood is definitely a racist person. He has horrible horrible ideals and terrible morals, but he does end up. You know, it turns out he might be a little bit of a softy and not as bad as you know. It's it's a it's a good story, and it turns out uh, it turns out okay, I guess. He doesn't. He knows that you know. He just he, uh, he doesn't know how bad he is. He but he there's no way he would ever think that he would get in a position where he would accept these these kids, right? I mean, and the, and the families around there, so. It's very touching. It's an excellent movie. It's got funny parts in it. Yeah, you get to see even Clint Eastwood's son in there in that scene. Uh, I thought it was excellent. I think uh, Clint Eastwood is is a fantastic director and actor. And as I said, I hope he's around a lot longer so we can get a lot more out of him. He's not slowing down, that's for sure. I'm pretty sure. Anything else about Clint? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I mentioned. Yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in an episode before, but I thought it was it's worth mentioning again. Uh, I actually heard. Clint, Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood, he said one time in an, in an interview that he, he actually auditioned for, uh, um, American Sniper to play the, to play Chris Kyle. Brad, Bradley Cooper, of course, is playing Chris Kyle in that movie, but Scott Eastwood sent an audition tape to his father 
and he never heard anything back. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He, he was Scott Eastwood made it very clear that his father never showed any favoritism towards him whenever he was growing up, and that was a perfect example of it. And you did mention on a previous episode, I was actually going to bring it back up again. I'm glad you did because I forgot. It's my favorite Clint Eastwood story, actually, <laughs> that she told me. Uh, that's hilarious. I mean, he just, uh, hey, he doesn't favor, he, no favoritism. You can't blame him for playing favorites. That's for sure. I mean, he didn't even give him a call, shoot him a text. Sorry, son. I, I got, I picked someone else for this, you know, you know, to move on to another project or something. <laughs> no, nothing, right? Not a word, right? That's the story. That's, the, that's, that's what Scott Eastwood says. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Uh, Scott Eastwood, you see him in – actually, he looks – I mean, it, it, you got to look at Clint Eastwood back when he was younger, back in the 60s when he did the Westerns and in the 70s and stuff. But look at his son. I mean, hello. You can tell that's his son. He looks just like him uh, or very much like him. And, and he's becoming a, a good actor in his own right or at least a prolific one. I mean, he's got quite a few – He's got 30 acting projects. Uh, he does some things like Pacific Rim Uprising, which I never saw. The first one was kind of dumb, but he's been in Suicide Squad, Snowden. Uh, uh, he's getting bigger and bigger roles. So he, he's going to be – he is successful. So good good to see that he's following in his, in his dad's footsteps. That, that's for sure. All right. How about uh, number seven for you? All right, number seven. This is probably where we're going to, I would imagine, start to get some matchups. I don't know. We haven't had any yet. But my number seven is going to be Robert Zemeckis. I feel like the only thing that I really need to say is Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really all I have to say. He wrote, I mean, I'm pretty sure he wrote Back to the Future, which is, I mean, that's uh, that's my, I mean, as, as far as a, uh, a sci-fi a sci-fi franchise that's definitely one of my favorites i've seen the first one oh my goodness probably 200 times and uh but he also did i didn't know until until uh, i started looking into for this podcast he did romancing the stone that's with michael douglas that was that was a pretty good movie i mean you know it's not a fantastic movie or anything but it was good he also did uh contact he did castaway which is great uh he did flight which is really great too i think that i think flight's probably the last the last good one he did i know you mentioned on the last podcast it's one i definitely want to check out but you said it's not getting good reviews and that's welcome to marwin uh, yeah. so i'm looking at it now it's, it's still it's still sitting at a 5.9 uh i don't it can't be that bad i want to check that out for sure but yeah but like i like i said back to what i said already um he did back to the future and he did forrest gump it's just like just like frank darabont you know look at the, look at what i actually do like there might not be a lot of you know there might not be a lot of quantity but the quality is definitely there and i mean still he did cast away that's great you know uh tom hanks of course um of course in that and forrest gump uh back to the future with michael j fox he just i i think the stuff that he did good he 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 did it the right way. I, I agree. He, he's on my list, too. I'll just tell you, he's, he's number five. He's a little bit higher than what you have him as. This is another guy right up there with the, the best, I mean, I think. This is my opinion. I don't think a lot of people understand how good Robert Zemeckis is. The, you, named, you named a lot of movies right there, and you probably, you know, you didn't even scratch the surface with how many good movies that he's been involved in. He did write back to the Future Trilogy with Bob Gale. Bob Gale was a big writer on that too, but he, that's about all he did is back to the futures and like video games for back to the future or whatever. But yeah, um, 
uh, Robert Zemeckis, I look forward to everything that that he comes out with. Now, you're right. He didn't – this Walk of the Marwin is whatever, five-point-something. It doesn't look like it's good, but the trailer looked good. I was really looking forward to that, and I was really disappointed when I saw you know the user ratings come out. But Back to the Future, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, he, this, the things that he's been involved in. I mean, just – but directing is his thing. I mean, that's Back to the Future trilogy, uh, Forrest Gump, Contact is one of my favorite movies with Jodie Foster. He loves Jodie Foster. He loves uh, Tom Hanks as well. You are a director, and you direct a film, and then it becomes the best film. I said this earlier. You should get best director. It doesn't usually happen a lot. It doesn't, and it should at least more than it is does happen, but you have to take, I would take responsibility for this actor, you know, getting best, best actor Academy award. I mean, he, he directed Forrest Gump. He directed Tom Hanks. Now Tom Hanks, I don't know how much you have to direct the guy, but he's the director of the film. You know, Tom Hanks probably would be the first guy to say, you know, I owe that to Robert Zemeckis or whatever, you know, Force Gump's my favorite movie, and it's Robert Zemeckis. But that's not the only reason he's on my list at number five. I mean, we mentioned all these movies. Castaway, I don't think we said that. He, he uh, Flight was great, not a depressing one, but he actually did one, The Walk. It's about a true story about the guy that walked across the Twin Towers in New York back in the 70s. He was a high-wire guy, and, and he they you know illegally did that. He did one with uh, Brad Pitt and... Um, uh, oh, Marion, um, the girl from uh, Inception. Uh, it was called The Walk. Great special effects because they had to reconstruct the towers, you know, with computer graphics. That was a that movie was pretty good. The Allied was okay with who, who was it? who did I say that was with? Uh, oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I look forward to everything that Mar- uh, Robert Zemeckis does. Everything I've heard about him, he's a great guy. I he's solid number five on my list. He was actually a little higher, and I had to bump him down because there's so many great directors. We can't, you know. Uh, but he's 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 on my list for sure. Uh, there's our first repeat, Robert Zemeckis, and that's a good one. And we're gonna we'll probably keep repeating as we go, right? Yeah, he was a little higher on my list too, just like you said. But then I ended up bumping him down. That's why he's he made it down to my number seven. Definitely had to have him on here because if, uh, like you just said, if he if he directed Forrest Gump, whether he he should have won Best Director for that movie, I guess you're right. That does make sense, but he didn't. But still, that's one of the best movies of all time. Number two on my all time list. So yeah, Robert Zemeckis had to be on there. So um, uh, Forrest Gump. Wow, you just have to look at everything that's involved with Forrest Gump. I mean, how would you? It was a book. It, it's another book that was. But how would you even t- go to, about tackling that? All that's. I mean, it goes through history. How many years and all the things that Forrest Gump's involved in? You have to. Wow, you have to be really talented, I think, to put to put that kind of movie together, right? So, I, he, go ahead. I was just going to say, I guess now that I'm looking at this, if I would have this list to do over again, I had Frank Darabont at number eight and Robert Zemeckis at number seven. I guess if I could go back and redo that, I would flip flop that because they really, they both only did two things that I, that I really like anyway. Robert Zemeckis did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Frank Darabont did uh, Shawshank and The Green Mile. And I like those two movies more than these other two movies. I don't know. That's just something I was no. thinking of kind of a little, you know, but that, again, these guys, all these guys, 
guys are so talented. They're all interchangeable. Yeah, some of them really. Are. Yeah. Hey, I can see where you'd say, it. I mean, he did get best director for an Oscar for Forrest Gump. So at least that worked for him. Did I say he didn't? I'm sorry if I did, but uh, Forrest Gump, best picture in 1994, best actor, Tom Hanks and best, best director was, was Robert Zemeckis. And he probably deserved another one. I, I don't know, maybe flight. I think he was nominated for that, but I love Robert Zemeckis. And let's play a scene uh, from Forrest Gump. Uh, everybody, if you don't know what about Forrest, I mean, it's 20, 25 years old now. If you don't, I'm sorry if I spoil anything. Sorry about that. I mean, if you haven't seen Forrest Gump, you probably don't like movies. So this is when Forrest goes to see Jenny at the end. He finally gets to see her and he, find, he finds out a, a little bit of a secret. You're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me. I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too? <laughs> You're his daddy, Forrest. So, uh, Tom Hanks was excellent in, in that scene and just about every scene in that movie. Um, definitely Oscar worthy. Uh, that's when he finds out that Jenny had their kid. He didn't know until the, the kid's like three, four years old. It was played by, um, who's the kid actor? He was the, the Haley Joe Osmond. Yeah. Six cents. Good, good actor. I don't know what he does now, but, um, yeah. So that's what he, he's got a daddy named Forrest too, but that's right. There's Forrest Gump. In a nutshell, right? He, he's that confused uh, in life. But, yeah, Robert Zemeckis directed that. Uh, I love Robert Zemeckis. So that was your number seven mm-hmm. and, my, and my number five. So we'll be skipping my five because we already did it. And I'll go with number seven. For me, it's not on your list. You already said it's it's Stanley Kubrick. I I can't leave him off off this list. I just can't. He's done, he's done so much. He did so much, not just for – the films that he directed, but just, you know, movies in general. I mean, how many people say that, that, that he, he inspired them, you know, it's a shame he passed away. Cause what else could he have, you know, would he have gotten us in a, he's been gone for like 20 years, right? After eyes wide shut. I think that was his last one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's been, uh, he's been making movies for a long time. And yeah, I had to, I had to leave him off because the only one that I really, really like is Full Metal Jacket. I mean, that's one of my favorite movies, but, uh, the other ones there, I, what, definitely what I like about Stanley Kubrick is he's definitely different. You can, there's always something a little bit different about, uh, you know, his movies compared to maybe just any other director. He almost, he has, he has a style. That's for sure. I thought, uh, I thought in eyes wide shut, I thought he did really good with, uh, whoever he had doing the music for that movie. The, like whenever Tom Cruise gets busted at that party, it's like a, it's like a real heavy piano, uh, thing going on there. So that was really good, but it's only eyes wide shut was only, it was, it was really, really suspenseful, the first time you saw it. And then, and then after that, you kind of know what's going on. And I think I've said this before, you kind of know what's going on and then it's not as uh, suspenseful anymore. And a clockwork orange, that one was just kind of strange, but I'm sure that one, maybe if I saw it a long time ago, whenever it first came out, it might've been a little bit better. Yeah. He, now I don't like everything that he's done. Um, I, I wasn't a big eyes wide shut fan, but I think I need to see it again. I, you always talk about it and you like it. So I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I got to give it another chance, I guess. But he, I mean, he really launched himself. Now he did Spartacus. I don't know if a lot of people know that with Kirk Douglas. 
back in 1960. Dr. Strangelove, I talked about that, but he really came, burst out in the scene with 2001 A Space Odyssey. I was listening today, there was people like George Lucas talking about him, how he just, you know, he doesn't think he could ever do what he did, you know, the things that he tackled in that movie with special effects and, and I don't know, I don't want to get into too many details, but, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember the, the guys walking sideways on the ship, uh, he actually built a mechanism so they could do that. I mean, he's just so one of the, some of the directors are like, I don't even know how he did some of them, you know. So you learn a lot when other directors talk about, uh, you know, the, their idols or people that inspired them. But 2001: A Space Odyssey was in 1968. If you go take a look at it now, it still looks pretty good. It's that old, you know. That's what fifty over fifty years ago. Uh, he did The Shining. A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, of course, and then the Eyes Wide Shut. Not a lot of quantity, but, I mean, he was, uh, what, 70 years old when he died? That's still young, but uh, he could have gone on for 10 or 15 years. You know, I, I mean, that's what we all hope because he made such good stuff. What would he have made, you know, in 10, 10 more years? He doesn't have the quantity, but he has the quality. I mean, he has done, he's done a lot. I, I just, I couldn't leave him off of this list. Full Metal Jacket. Uh, in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and then just how all these other directors, he inspired them. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't leave him off here. Yeah, I, I get it. I definitely get it. And he is, he is an honorable mention for me. Couldn't quite make my list, but, uh, and, but it is, uh, definitely great respect for him, especially since he's been making movies for such a long time. I mean, Kirk Douglas, he, uh, he's still alive, right? Isn't he like a hundred something years old now? Yeah, like 103 or something. Still going. But he was direct, yeah, he was directed in the back in that was 1960 when he did Spartacus. So, yeah, I guess he was, you know, even writing stuff in the 50s and stuff. So, he's he's been around, he was around a long time. So, anyway, that's my uh that's my number 7, Stanley Kubrick. How about your number six? Okay, my number six, and uh, we had to get to him sooner or later. He he should probably be higher on my list, but he's not. That's Steven Spielberg, of course. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's my number six, uh, reason. I mean, the reasons why he's on my list, I shouldn't even have to list any of them. He's probably one of the biggest names that everybody recognizes as far as directors. But, uh, the reason why he's on my list, he does so many genres. I mean, he does, uh, Jaws, of course, was just excellent. Jaws and Jurassic Park, both, they're, uh, they're kind of like my, my favorite monster movies. Um, he also, but he also did Saving Private Ryan, so he gets he gets uh, the war movie. He also does Titanic, like the historical fiction type thing. Um, but he just uh, he he does he does so many genres, and he's had his hands in so many things. And actually, I mean, you can probably you know you can probably take it away on this one. I'm sure you know way more about Steven Spielberg than I do. I mean, uh, but of course, uh, Schindler's List too. You know, I mean, he's done. He's just done so much, and again, he could probably be a little bit higher on my list. Maybe he should be, but uh, the, just whenever I was, whenever I was kind of going over everything, this is this is where he ended up. Uh, a lot of these, I've already said that a lot of these guys on these lists could be interchangeable, but Steven Spielberg had to be on my list. And uh, if again, he's probably the most recognizable director's name in Hollywood. At least he was. There's some other guys that maybe maybe you're starting to hear a little bit more about now, but uh Steven Spielberg, he's all definitely going to go down in history as one of the greatest directors of all time. 
I'm really surprised it's not higher on your list. I really want to know who's above him. I mean, I, I have people above him, but uh, he's I, I, now this. I, I probably do know a little bit more about him. He's, I mean, he started in the '70s. Um, this is a guy that when he was a kid, he got a hold of a, you know, what were those eight millimeter cameras and started making films, you know, short movies when he was a kid. So. He was always in the movies. The first introduction I had to Steven Spielberg, and I guess I'm showing my age here, it was a TV movie called Duel. Have you ever seen Duel? No, I know the story, but I've never seen it. Dennis Weaver, he's a guy in a car, and they're out in this desert highway, and this this truck, this trucker, he's like a tanker truck, is terrorizing him. So it was a great movie. When I was a kid, I, I was really young when I saw it, but I mean, it came out in 1971, so I probably didn't see it till a few years late after that because I was born in 70. But it was it scared me when I was a kid. I remember that. That, that was his first movie movie, I guess, made for TV. Uh, but he really hit the big time when when he did uh, Jaws. Um, this guy, <laughs> this guy to me, and to a lot of people, he created the blockbuster. I mean, Jaws, I think, was the... F- that where they came up with the term blockbuster or something like that. I mean, he, the, the blockbuster and Steven Spielberg to me, they go hand in hand. I mean, he has done jaws, he, you know, close encounters of the third kind. I mean, he had some stinkers like 1941 with John Belushi. I mean, that wasn't good at all, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, all of them, even the crystal skull. I'm sorry. It was good too. All right. The, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, all four of those, I think they might be doing another one. Um, he, he's so involved with so many things, and then he produces so many things. I think it's Amblin Entertainment is his production company. He's got some that I didn't like, like Hook. But then, you know, you do Hook, and then you turn around, the next movie's Schindler's List. Come on. Jurassic Park. This is the movie when I was – you know, 23 years old, I'm in college with my brother, Bob, and we went to see this and that T-Rex scene when it first comes out at 23, it had me pressed against the back of my seat. That was scary and no special effects. I'm sorry, but they still look fantastic. They still look good. Um, oh man, they look better than the, they look better than the new Jurassic Park movies, like the new Jurassic Park yeah. movies. You can tell that it's CGI, but that those old ones, man, they still look like dinosaurs. And, uh, Cause he would use the animatronics when he could, he could, he'd use like the real thing, you know, I guess you can call it the real thing where they had animatronics and stuff like that for the velociraptors and even the T-Rex. I mean, remember whenever they were, the kids were in that car and that thing stomping on it and then it, it looks in the window and its eye, its pupil gets dilated because he puts the flashlight on it. Just every little thing that Steven Spielberg does. Fantastic. Then he comes back saving Private Ryan. I mean, catch me if you can. Minority Report. Even the terminal with Tom Hanks was okay. Munich. War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. No, he, he had a few years there, 2010 or 11, where I'm like, okay. But then it came out with Lincoln. I wasn't a Bridge of Spies fan with Tom Hanks, but a lot of people like that. The Post, I didn't care for that. I didn't see the BFG. I, I think it was a kid's movie. Ready Player One, you liked that one too, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, that was excellent. And the way he puts, you know, especially 80s pop culture into that film, it's amazing. I, I think he's brilliant. Uh, really... You know, he's he's up there on my list and I'm not going to tell you where he's at. Uh, I don't want to ruin that surprise. But, you know, we'll talk about him now because he's on your list now. But, um, yeah, he's up there. He's he's 
Easily could be the best in my mind. He's definitely one of the best, and I, I couldn't really tell you how he got bumped down so low to number six. I mean, he could maybe be up there a little bit higher. I don't think we mentioned Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I don't think we mentioned E.T. He did the Twilight Zone movie. Actually, wasn't too bad. Uh, it wasn't as good as the original no. show or anything. But uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, one of my favorite monster movies. I didn't know he did Minority Report, um, and uh, and I yeah. just I either didn't know or forgot that he did War of the worlds but yeah i I know that whenever ready player one was coming out that i was psyched because i knew that steven spielberg did it and because uh i mean i didn't see the post or bfg or bridge of spies the last one i saw would have been lincoln and lincoln was just okay uh you know it was i i think i wanted i think i wanted more out of lincoln i don't know what i wanted maybe i wanted more actual like civil war action or something but it was all just more on the like the political side of everything so it wasn't that exciting but yeah steven spielberg i think he's uh i think he's gonna just keep doing fantastic things at least i hope so man oh i don't see what i mean what he's is he even 70 yet i don't know how old he is he's probably 70 by now but uh yeah he's absolutely you know you know, one one of my favorites, if not my, he could be my favorite for sure. Wait, by the way, I didn't say he did Titanic, did I? Because that's a huge mistake if I said that. I feel like I said he did no. that, but he didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't say that. I hope I if I did, that was a mistake. But uh. oh, he's let's see, forty six, so he's seventy. He's going to be seventy three this year. So relatively, he's still still kind of young. So he can do a lot more. He's not. He's yeah, doesn't even seem like he's that old. All right. Uh, Great pick, absolutely. Uh, here's my number six. James Cameron. I put James Cameron at number six. You know, what? What? Terminator, Aliens, the second one, uh, The Abyss. A lot of people forget that he's done some of these movies like True Lies. I love True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, come on. Uh, a lot of people, uh, Titanic, it was great. I mean, that's where he got his best director academy award i believe the only one he's done this now now he's into this avatar thing and that's going to hold him up for 10 years at least right avatar in 2009 i loved it i don't think you were a big avatar fan i liked it and now he's got avatar two three four and five in the works i think they're filming like two and three they're coming out like two's coming out in 2020 three's coming out in 2021 four in 2024 in five and twenty twenty five, so it looks like he's going to shoot two and three. He's doing it now, probably, and then four and five together. I have no idea where that story is going to go. It seemed like it kind of, you know, it it's in post production. The, the two and three. I, I just, I mean, I Avatar was good. Where does it go from there? I'm sure he he's brilliant enough to make it great, right? I I don't know. You weren't a big Avatar fan. Well, I liked Avatar. I definitely like it. Was the first three D movie I ever saw. Uh, I just never. I don't really care for that. Uh, the the main guy in it. I forget his name right now. But he um, Sam Worthington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not my favorite, but uh, Avatar is a really good movie. Now, James Cameron, James Cameron, he's one of those guys because it it feels like just a minute ago I said Steven Spielberg directed Titanic, which I know he didn't. I know James Cameron did, but it's almost like uh, these these more famous guys, like I'm just now starting to get them all sorted out as to who did what. Like it seems like James Cameron, like Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg, all those guys, I kind of forget which ones all those guys have done, but I'll never forget that James Cam- James Cameron's, of course, on my list. He's a little bit higher, but uh, I'll never forget that he did 
Terminator, one of my all time favorite movies, Terminator two, of course. And then, uh, I love, I love, uh, I love Titanic. Um, and I, I think it's, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with all these avatar movies. Cause the first one was good. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't outrageously good. I really did. I really did like it, but uh, I'm really excited to see what the sequels are going to do, especially because it's uh, it's it's almost like it seems like he has it all figured out or something. I'm I don't sure know. he does. He probably had it figured out before he started the first one. He's he's that kind of guy. He's brilliant. You know, he did Terminator. Excellent. I mean, that's his best stuff, right? Terminator Two. You know, a lot of people will say, "Well, I don't think James Cameron should be best director on any list because you know he's Mister Action Sci Fi guy." Who cares? They're great movies. Terminator One, Terminator Two, Judgment Day are great movies. Now he stopped at Terminator Two, and we we mentioned Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. It it doesn't get the credit that it should. I thought it was fantastic. It wasn't as good as two, but it's a lot better than some of the other sequels. I love the third one. Jonathan Mostow, I guess, directed that one, but he stopped with that. I guess he produces them now. But Terminator, and then he did Aliens. Now those were his two big first hits: Terminator, then um, two years later, Aliens, the, the sequel to Alien, which was Ridley Scott. I don't know why Ridley Scott didn't do it, but James Cameron, I thought Aliens was just as good, if not better, than the first one. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but yeah, The Abyss, that was a fantastic movie, and I don't think it gets the credit that it should. You, you remember The Abyss? You've seen that, right? Oh yeah, that's a good one. I like it. I like any. Uh, I like. I like deep sea movies. You know, there's not very many good ones out there, but that's definitely one of them. True Lies. Um, you know, 1994 on Schwarzenegger, I thought it was just fantastic. Even uh, Tom Arnold was good in it, you know. And, of course, that was one of my favorite performances by, you know who I'm talking about? I'm I'm not sure. You, you, you still interested in that vet? Oh, Bill Paxton. <laughs> Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, it's sad that he died. That, he was great. Um, let me ask you a question. I, I, I see his list of directing, directing credits. And there's there's one here after True Lies in 1996. It's called Terminator or T2 3D Battle Across Time. It's a short. Now these short movies, where do you go to see these? I don't know. I I see them all over IMDb all the time, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where you find them. They got to be somewhere, right? I mean, I know they're only like five ten minutes long, some of them, but you see them all the time. Where where do you go to watch them? I haven't even googled them. I have no idea. We need to figure this out. Yeah, because a lot of them actually look very interesting. I just never followed up on them. Anyway, I think um, – I don't know. I'm a little bit mixed on the Avatar. I loved Avatar, and I'm looking forward to the four sequels that he's making. But he is really tying himself up here. I mean, think about it. There's a movie uh, – collaborating director in 2016, Torek, The First Flight. I have no idea what that is. But if you think about it, if he did Avatar in 2009 and he's doing Avatar 2 and 3, I think he already filmed those, and then he's going to do 4 and 5. And that comes out, the last one, Avatar 5, is, is scheduled to come out in 2025. That means that he tied himself up with Avatar for 16 years. That's wow. a long time. Yeah, yeah. For one project. So you know it's going to break all kind of records. You know people are looking forward to this. They're going to love them. I mean, but five of them, wow. I mean, what else could he have done? He's obviously imaginative. He's creative. I I don't know. I guess he's an ass on set. He, he's, like, demanding and, you know, 
people have cell phones and he would take them from the actors and like take a nail gun and nail them to the wall. They weren't allowed to have cell phones, stuff like that. A lot of people I've heard, you hear some actors and actresses, you know, you always, they get interviewed and they say, oh, he was fab. Everybody's so great. You know, they love each other, but you don't hear that a lot with James Cameron. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, he's kind of, you you can just tell in their voice. They might be saying good things about him, but you can just tell they didn't really care for him. But there are those that do. Sigourney Weaver, Bill Paxton, we mentioned, Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, like his favorites, you know. Maybe Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't a favorite of his. I don't know, but they never did anything together again. Of course, Martin Scorsese and and Leo do have done like five movies together. So, yeah, I I love James Cameron, and I'm looking forward to Avatar. And that's that's a pretty solid number six on my list. So number five for you. All right, my number five. This is another one. Uh, I I just. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm probably going to be as surprised as you are that it's not higher on my list. And that's Martin Scorsese. He's on my number five. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought, I really thought that he would be, I thought he would be number one whenever I started this. I really thought he would be number one. Uh, but he ended up at number five. Now I, he's, he's done so many movies that I like and he's such a, he's so good with the crime and the drama and like the mob movies. Now what, what, it, what this almost comes down to to me is, is it's almost like a like a Goodfellas versus Godfather thing. Now, Godfather, of course, directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola, and I am not a fan of the, that movie really at all. But Martin Scorsese with his mob movie, I mean, I like Casino more than The Godfather. But, I mean, uh, Martin Scorsese, he did uh, Raging Bull, which I, I saw that one. It's supposed to be like one of the best sports movies of all time, but I've never, I didn't, was not a real big fan of that one. But he he did do Goodfellas. He did do Cape Fear. Both of those with Robert De Niro, of course. Casino with Robert De Niro. So he's got great casts. Um, Gangs of New York, that's when he starts it off with Leonardo DiCaprio. And, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis plays Bill the Butcher. He made my villain list. Aviator, Leonardo DiCaprio again. The Departed, Leonardo DiCaprio again. Shutter Island, Leonardo DiCaprio again. Uh, and all just great Great roles for Leonardo DiCaprio, I thought, especially Howard Hughes in The Aviator. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, of course, that was the the last one I'm pretty sure he did with... And Leo again. And Leo again, exactly. That was the last one he did, I think, with Leo. But yeah, Martin Scorsese, definitely whenever he's, whenever he's involved in something, that's one that I get excited about. But I just... I. I think that the guys that I have higher on my list, I think that the movies they did, I just think I like their movies more than the movies Martin Scorsese did. Nothing, you know, nothing wrong with any of the movies he did. Of course, they're great movies. The Departed, uh, The Departed made my, uh, made my all time list. I think it came in at like number six or something like that. Great cast there alongside Leo. You had Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg and of course, uh, Matt Damon. Um, so yeah, he definitely knows how to get the right the right actors together he knows how to direct them of course um so i'm sure he's higher on your list so uh we'll i'm sure we'll get to talk about him a little bit more later yeah i'm i'm huge on martin scorsese um so yeah i'll talk about him a little bit more later but i do want to mention the leonardo dicaprio connection all right do you think these guys like working together what 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 do we say five movies that they've They've done together, right? Oh, at least, yes. So, 
So they've done, let's see, what did you say? What was the first one? Was Gangs. it Gangs in New York? That yep. did? So Gangs in New York, one. The Aviator, two. The Departed, three. Shutter Island, four. Wolf of Wall Street, five. So they've done five together. So you want to hear something funny? Mm. There's three more that they're doing together. They got three more coming up that they're going that are in production. He's going to do he's going to do um, a, a one about Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, and it's going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. And then he's got two other films that he's going to. Let's see, it's called one of them. God, he's got so much in development; it's crazy. Roosevelt is one. I can't remember what the other. There are two more anyway that have Leonardo DiCaprio in them. So that's going to be eight movies these two have, have, have done together. And I, I, I'm looking forward to all of them. I, I think he's wonderful. He's doing another one. Um, the Irishman, that's going to be, I think, uh, what's his name? Robert De Niro. I think that's, he's got that coming up. So, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Martin Scorsese fan. I, I haven't liked everything, though. You mentioned a few movies there that I'm not – I don't know. I'm not. Uh, tax, taxi driver, I thought was good. All right. Um, Raging Bull, uh, if that if that didn't exist, uh, you know, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't think it was that good. I, th- I think it was a little, I don't know. I mean, you know, I know it was older. It was in the 70s, but Cape Fear, I know you like Cape Fear. I'm not into Cape Fear. I don't know why. I, there's some that I just didn't, you know, I didn't really care for color money. I guess, you know, a lot of people don't know he did that. Um, yeah, there's some that he, I haven't seen all of his movies either. And maybe I should go back and check out some of the older ones, but I, he's absolutely one. Any movie he makes, I am going to watch. So he's one of my favorite, a, a little bit more on him later. Cause he's, he's much higher on my list, but good choice. I really, I know who too. That was your number five. So you got four more. And they do not include Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. I, I don't know. Wow. I know who two of them are. I don't know who what the other two are, man, but they better be. They better be amazing. <laughs> All right. So that was your number five. My number five we can skip because that's Robert Zemeckis, and we talked quite a bit about him. So let's move. Let's hear it. Let's hear your number four. Okay, my number four. Now we're getting to uh, now we're getting to the repeats again. I got James Cameron. I had to put James Cameron up there higher than everybody, and I think I I really think it's mostly because of the Terminator. I am just I don't know what it is about me and the Terminator, especially lately. I mean, I've loved the Terminator since I was a kid. I mean, James Cameron, you could almost give him credit for kind of putting Arnold on the scene, even though he did those, uh, the Conan movie, at least the first Conan movie, I think he did before the first Terminator. But, uh, I mean, James Cameron is, as far as I know, he at least had a hand in writing the story for the Terminator, and it is just such, a good story with the, like the artificial intelligence against humans. It's just one of my favorite science fiction stories. Arnold, one of my favorite uh, actors when I was a kid. Um, and of course, uh, again, he did Titanic, which I really like. He, he does, he, whatever he does, he really seems to do well. And really, I don't know if I can say anything else about him that we haven't already said. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't know why he ended up so so much higher on my list. Maybe Steven Spielberg could have been higher or something like that. But again, these guys, we've already said several times that they can be kind of interchangeable. So yeah, that's that's that's. I don't really have anything else to say about James Cameron. I can't argue with it because I have James Cameron at number six, but I will disagree with you wholeheartedly that he is not better than Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg. So no way. I, I, I get the Terminator thing. And I tell you what, this guy, James Cameron, has done a lot with special effects. He's like invented cameras for for making special effects. I don't know what these special cameras. I've seen these extras and the special effects, okay, you look at the first Terminator. One of the problems I have with the first Terminator is the fact that the special effects are just awful. I think it was ahead of its time. It was 1984. They did not have the ability to do good special effects like that, you know, a walking robot. But, you know, seven years later, he developed CG, you know, to, to, for Terminator 2. And it still looks good today. You know, it, I mean – Titanic. He recreated that ship, uh, and what kind of research he did? He went to the bottom of the ocean and looked at the the wreck. I mean, the guy. I love James Cameron, uh, but yeah, he's he's a solid number six on my list, um, and he's just innovative. All this stuff. I mean, this Avatar stuff is going to be great. We talked about that. Yeah, but uh, well, Martin Scorsese and the special effects. Spirit. The special effects. That was one another thing that I meant to mention there. That that was that was just another reason why I like him so much, and maybe why he, he. I felt he could be a little bit higher just because all the things that he has done with special effects. Terminator Two still looks good. The Titan. I mean, Titanic. The ship going down. That still looks good, man. I. I don't know. I just think. Uh, I, I've been watching James Cameron stuff longer than I've been watching, at least longer than I have known that I've been watching Martin Scorsese stuff. Well, you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can give you that because James Cameron came on the scene when right around when you were born and you were a kid and Scorsese and Spielberg were around in the, you know, I mean, Scorsese in the sixties and Spielberg came out in the seventies. So they do have some films that are older that I, I can appreciate probably more. Cause I, you know, had a more of a connection to him when I was, a, when I was young, when I was a kid. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give you that. So that's, that was your number four. Mm-hmm. So there's one more. I have no idea who the hell are you going to put in there. Yeah. I know two of them, and I think I'm going to say one of them here. With this is my number four, right? It's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. I, uh, Quentin Tarantino, I think, is brilliant. I mean, how long has this guy been on the scene? I mean, Reservoir Dogs, um, Pulp Fiction. Well, I mean, those two alone. What? What? I mean. If that was all he did, he would still be good. I mean, he's got his own way of doing things, and he's obviously can do a lot of different things. He's actually, I guess, going to do the uh, what do you call it? The um, Star Trek, the Star Trek, a rated R Star Trek. I mean, what really? I mean, yeah, really, he's going to do that. So, but I mean, what kind of mind thinks of thinks of like things like um, the Reservoir Dogs? I mean. Pulp, pulp Fiction, who his twisted mind can think of a lot of a lot of gruesome stuff, and I like just about. Can I say I liked everything he's done? I mean, he's directed twenty one things, and let's get into him a little bit here, a little bit more detail. There's no way you like Kill Bill. No, I was not a Kill Bill fan. I don't get it. I just I'm dunce. I don't know, but I am a Reservoir Dogs fan. Pulp Fiction. 
Uh, even Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume One and Two. I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Um, Grindhouse, I don't know Grindhouse or Death Proof, but Inglorious Bastards. Wow, that's that's my favorite from him. Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight. They were they were good too. So he's got a Star Trek product. It's in production. I guess it's going to have the same cast as it did before. You know the new the new cats, and then he's doing one that's coming out this year. It's called Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood. We talked about this last episode. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in it, and it's about a TV actor and a stunt double embark on an odyssey to make a name for themselves in the I think in the seventies or eighties. Nope, sixty nine. Oh, Los Angeles when, during the um, the Helter Skelter. You know the Charles Manson the. Um, Sharon Tate murders and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Anything he does, I'll always look forward to Quentin Tarantino. And Glorious Bass, you know what? I'm like, Pulp Fiction, loved it. Loved Reservoir Dogs. He can't do anything better. And then he comes out with Inglorious Bastards. I mean, this guy is amazing. And he's so amazing. Uh, we have two, two uh, directed scenes from him. We'll, we'll start off with Pulp Fiction. You chose this one. This is one of your favorite scenes from him, right? This is... Uh, Sam Jackson and John Travolta. This was his comeback film, if you will. And Frank Frank Wiley, I think, is the the, the victim here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's, let's check out Pulp Fiction. We happy? Yeah, we happy. Look, I'm sorry. Uh, I I didn't get your name. I got yours, uh, Vincent. Right, but but I, I never got you. My your name's name. Pitt, and your ass ain't talking your way out of this shit. No, no, no. I just want you to know how. I just want you to know how sorry we are that that things got so fucked up with us and, and Mr. Wallace. We we got into this thing with the best intentions, really. I never. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Please continue. You were saying something about best intentions. What's the matter? You were finished. Oh, well, allow me to retort. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What? What country are you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? What? English, mother... Do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? No! Then why you try to f him like a bitch, Brett? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did, Brett. You tried to f him. Marcellus Wallace don't like to be by anybody except Mrs. Wallace. You read the Bible, Greg? Yes. Well, there's this passage I got memorized. So it fits this case. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, 
for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. So Samuel Jackson, he, he probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves for his acting abilities. I mean, he could sit there and talk about something mundane like, you know, foot massages. And then, the, you know, the next scene, he's doing something like that. So he's pretty he's pretty versatile actor. But who's directing him? It's Quentin Tarantino. And Quentin Tarantino, he wow, he's he's great. We got another one from him. Now, we did um, in Glorious Bastards. What was it? We did the scene with um Christoph Waltz, the the first scene in that one, which was wow, one of the most tense scenes I've ever seen in my life, and and we're talking you know against Pulp Fiction stuff like that. But this one is a little more comedic, but still tense. It's when Brad Pitt gets, well, let's just say it's the Bear Jew. Well, either kill you or let you go. Whether or not you're going to leave this bitch alive depends entirely on you. The road piece, there's an orchard. Besides you, we know there's another crop patrol around there somewhere. If that patrol were to have any crack shots, that orchard would be a goddamn sniper's delight. So if you ever want to eat a sauerkraut sandwich again, you gotta show me on this here map where they are. You gotta tell me how many they are, and you gotta tell me what kind of artillery they're carrying with them. I can't expect me to divulge information that would put German lives in danger. Well, now, Warner, that's where you're wrong, because that's exactly what I expect. <laughs> you know about Germans hiding in trees, and you need to tell me. And you need to tell me right now. I just take that finger of yours and point out on this here map where this party's being held. How many's it coming, and what they brought to play with. I respectfully refuse, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. You might know him better by his nickname. The Bear Jew. <laughs> Have you heard out of the patch you got heard about the Bear Jew? I heard of the Bear Jew. What'd you hear? Beats German soldiers with the club. Bashes the brains in with a baseball bat, what he does. And hey, Werner, I'm going to ask you one last goddamn time. If you still respectfully refuse, I'm calling the bear Jew over. He's going to take that big bat of his, and he's going to beat your ass to death with it. Now take your wiener snitzel to your finger and point out on this map what I want to know. And your Jew dogs. <laughs> Actually, we're all tickled to hear you say that. Quite frankly, watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is as close as we ever get to going to the movies. Donnie! Yeah! Guy's German here wants to die for country. Oblige him. 
<laughs> so Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt's good. He, he he probably should get more credit. But this is directed by Tarantino. I mean, who else could make scenes like that? The whole movie almost is is excellent. So yeah, that's my that's my choice. We well, we might as well uh, stick with Quentin Tarantino for a second because he's actually number three on my list. He really, oh. he really climbed the list as I started putting it all together, and I just, I think it's just because, I mean, he definitely has like his own style. How he does that, like sh- sometimes where he shoots the movies in different orders, like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. But uh, I mean, Jackie Brown was really good. I was not a Kill Bill fan. Um, Inglorious Bastards is that's my favorite of his too. But you know, uh, well, The Hateful Eight was good. Um, but you know, whenever I was watching movies and prep for this podcast, I wanted to watch Pulp Fiction, but for some reason I just came across Django Unchained. I haven't watched that one in a while. And I really like Christopher Waltz, especially in Inglorious Bastards. So I decided to watch that one. You know what, man, that one might be better than Pulp Fiction. People go crazy for Pulp Fiction and I know it is a fantastic movie, but Django Unchained, I think it, uh, I don't know. It's just... It's it's definitely more uh, it's definitely more violent and vulgar and I just you know that's I'm always always kind of lean towards that stuff a little bit but it does have it's got Jamie Fox and I really like Jamie Fox I really like Christopher Waltz I really like Leonardo DiCaprio's in it and he does he plays a great role in there uh, but yes that one uh, that one is definitely definitely one of the reasons why I like Quentin Tarantino so much he just has his own his own style and it's recognizable and he, he writes, you know, most of, if not all the stuff that he directs and, uh, it's, 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 it's his own. It's different than anybody else. And just the more I thought about it, the more that I thought I had to put him a little bit higher on my list, but it's really for, uh, you know, Reservoir Dogs was good. Jackie Brown was good, but Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Those are the ones that, that I will just, I'll keep watching, uh, the rest of my life and I'll never get tired of them. The Hateful Eight's still pretty good too to watch every now and again. It's a little bit long. It's still got Samuel L. Jackson in it too. And it's got a really good cast in it. And it's another, that's, a, that's another good one to watch when it's snowing because it's snowing throughout that whole movie. And I actually, Samuel L. Jackson, I think I just heard something the other day on the radio or something. I think he's like, He's like been, it's confirmed that he's been in the most movies. I'm pretty sure Samuel Jackson has been in the most movies out of any actor or actress. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that one. He's been in a lot. I mean, geez, he's been in a lot. Uh, I would, I would agree with, obviously, I agree with this pick, but I don't agree. Jang on Chain better than Pulp Fiction. I couldn't say that. I would have to, now I do need to see Jang on Chain again. I've seen it a few times, but I haven't. I haven't seen it in a little while, so maybe I need to go and check that out again. I just you get Pulp Fiction in your brain, and it's hard to it's hard to unseat it. He did with Inglorious Bastards, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So he's been an actor in 174 different movies. Now, who else has been in a lot of movies? I know Michael Caine has been in a lot. He's always uh, been in. You know, um, they always say he's been in a million movies. Let's see how many he's been in. You heard that on TV or something? Yeah, yeah, I heard it on. I, I have no, I can't remember what I heard it on. But uh, I mean, Samuel Jackson. I really oh. can't think. I can't think of anybody else. I thought Michael Caine, but Michael Caine seven behind him, one sixty-seven. So he had one seventy-four. Hmm. One hundred seventy-four movies. That's that's prolific. 
Uh, <laughs> God, who else? I, I've always heard uh, Michael Caine was. They always say he's been in a lot of movies, but obviously, just uh, 160, only 167. Wow. Um, Ernest Borgnine used. They used to say he was in a lot of movies, but it can't be that many. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. How, how about uh, Morgan Freeman? How many has he been in? Not that's that another. Man. That's another one. He's been. In, he's Jack Nicholson's been in a lot of movies. I mean, not as many as those guys. I'm, I mean, it's got to be a huge drop off at some point. One hundred nineteen you know, for Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I, I'd have to. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's probably true. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Wow. Okay. So anyway, that's uh, that's our pick there. That's um, Quentin Tarantino. Your number three was my number four. So now it's my number three, and this is a right. this, these three are. I, I we keep saying they're interchangeable. They're not, I guess, for me. But they, I don't know how to say it. But it's this was a tough one. I did put Steven Spielberg at three. I, you know, you should know who's who's above him, and they're probably your top directors too. Steven Spielberg is just you, we we already talked about him. I mean, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Close Encounters. I mean, everything, almost everything that he's done, he touches is gold. I mean, even had a funny cameo in Austin Powers. Remember, he had the little Oscar trophy there. That, that was funny. So, <laughs> I mean, Schindler's List, uh, it just goes on and on. We talked about it. Steven Spielberg, he's amazing to me. I I, I, I couldn't put him uh, – I had a problem with the number two and number three. And I'll try to explain my number two when I get to it and why he's above Steven Spielberg. But it was a really, really tough call for me. So, anyway – we can go on because we really we talked about him a lot. Steven Spielberg is my number three. Yeah, Steven Spielberg, he can do it all, man. So my number two is one that you already mentioned, and uh, that is Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh, uh, wow! Is that yeah, high? yeah. I I really thought about this, and I I think that it's I think the Cohen brothers probably have out of out of any of these directors, they probably have the biggest. Or I'm sorry, the longest list of movies that I love a lot. You know, movies that I really like a lot. And that's starting with Raising Arizona. I've been watching that movie <laughs> since I was a kid. Uh, Fargo is my favorite one. The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Lady Killers, which we just, I forgot about till today, actually. But No Country for Old Men, one of my favorite movies. I love the movie Burn After Reading. Uh, and, um, Hail Caesar was not good. True Grit was okay or whatever, but uh, yeah, these guys, these are these these guys. They're another one, kind of like Quentin Tarantino. They have they have their own style. It's almost their their movies are almost noticeable. Not as noticeable as Quentin Tarantino's. His definitely have their own thing going on. But these guys, uh, and I said it earlier, like all of their movies are different, but they're all somehow kind of the same and i love the cast that these guys use uh, especially i watched a i watched an interview of with these two joel and ethan cohen and uh josh brolin and javier bardem from no country for old men where they talked about uh making that movie together that movie is actually based off a, a cormac mccarthy book and cormac mccarthy he also wrote uh the road uh, which was that was a Viggo Mortensen movie, and he also wrote a, a book called Blood Meridian, which I read. It's supposed to be good. It wasn't all that good, but uh, but Joel and Ethan Cohen, um, yeah, these guys, uh, they they're definitely doing something different. 
I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it because, again, I'm not an expert in directing or anything, but they are doing something different. And they also have uh, a lot of times they have a big hand in writing their movies, especially uh, No Country for Old Men, that interview I watched with them. They talk about how uh, they wrote it, Cormac McCarthy. They talked to him about it, and he seems to be okay with it. Kind of the opposite of Stephen King with The Shining, how he wasn't happy with that. Uh, the original author of No Country for Old Men seemed to be okay with this adaptation but that's and that's just one of their great movies they've done they've done so many movies that are just different but really really great uh fargo was the one that i watched in prep for this one and i watched the big lebowski too uh both movies that i will just never get tired of and i guess i i guess we talked a lot about these guys already earlier so i really don't have anything else to say about them yeah i mean they're number nine on my list and i i have uh, no problem leaving them at number nine. It wasn't hard for me to put them that low on the list. And uh, the reason is because what have they done lately? I mean, I really thought that Ballad of Buster Scruggs, it started out really well on Netflix, and then it just turned to crap. Hail Caesar was awful. True Grit is a remake. It was good, but it wasn't great. And it's already done. If you're a great director or director pair, as these guys' brothers are, do, do your own stuff, all right? A Serious Man, I didn't think that was very good. Burn After Reading, I wasn't a fan. And that's the difference here. You seem to like more of their movies than I do. The last one I really loved from them was No Country for Old Men, and that was 12 years ago. So they haven't done much lately, and that counts, you know, in my book. you got to be really consistent, and they haven't been. Uh, the Lady Killers, I mean, a lot of people tank that movie, but... If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, Tom Hanks is hilarious in it. It's, it's a comedy. I mean, a comedy crime thriller. It, I, it's really funny. I mean, the characters in there are all good. They're all pretty damn funny. So Lady Killers, uh, that was 2004. Where are you? Oh, brother, where art thou? I said that. I don't really like it. I've never been a big Lebowski fan either. Definitely loved Fargo and Hudsucker Proxy. You have to see that. Whoever hasn't seen Hudsucker Proxy got it. Got to check that out because uh, it's fantastic and funny. And Raising Arizona, of course, that was the big beginning in 1987. One of my favorite all-time movies, actually. So I I understand why you have them high and I don't. I, I get that. Just to, you know, the, you just like three or four of their movies that I don't like at all. I don't know why. You know, we usually like the same stuff. But wow, this list is. Differing a lot more than I thought it would. I mean, I know we got some repeats, but what three or four of them? And these these top ones, yeah, they're 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 repeats. That that's number two for you, right? Okay, so I knew number one is is probably my number two. I don't mm. like. I hope you throw me so many curveballs. I don't know. My um, what is that was your number two? My number two is Christopher Nolan. Um, so this was I, I said it was a problem two and three. Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, but. I love Steven Spielberg, obviously, from what I've said already about it. But here, here, Christopher Nolan, what? Name a bad movie that he's done. Na- name one bad movie that he's done, except Dunkirk. Uh, name a bad one. You can't, man. Except for maybe a couple. Like he did that. Uh, he did that following movie, which is strange and not that great. But yeah, everything else he did, man. Everything else he did is it's it's spot on. You have to listen to an interview with this guy. He's like, I don't know, like he's a genius or something. Just the way he talks, he just, memento. <laughs> I mean, that was awesome. That, that was different. They're different. His movies are different. Insomnia. I mean, he just totally reinvented not just Batman, 
but superhero, the superhero genre. He put, I mean, he set the bar so high with, with the Dark Knight. I don't think it could ever be surpassed, especially with the crap that's coming out these days. I ran into this movie a few years ago. I just happened to see it on like Netflix or something. It was The Prestige. I, I didn't know it was him. And it was awesome. It was a really good movie. Now, Dark Knight Inception, Dark Knight Rises, not as good as The Dark Knight, but still good. Interstellar. I mean, the guy doesn't have a million movies, but he's got a lot of great movies. And I, I, you know, he could be number one on my list if it wasn't for the other guy, but um, he's number two on my list. You got anything else to say? Oh, you probably got a lot to say about him. We haven't really talked about him yet. Well, I mean, I don't really have anything to say that you haven't said about him, but he's, I mean, I might as well say it now and talk about him now. He's my number one. I thought that he might not make the number one spot. I thought that uh, Martin Scorsese might be up there. I thought that Steven Spielberg might be up there, but it ended up being Christopher Nolan. Like you said, uh, I mean, Batman, my favorite superhero, he pretty, I mean, he, he nailed that. He, he, uh, he rewrote, he rewrote Batman in a way that just was never done before. And like you said, he kind of, he kind of changed the superhero movie altogether. He's a great writer. He, he, he and his brother, they were the ones who did Memento together. Uh, his brother, Jonathan Nolan wrote Memento is kind of like a, like a short story novella or something. Uh, but it, it's definitely very different. Uh, Guy Pierce is in that movie and that's, that's probably the best thing Guy Pierce has ever done. He's only been in a few other things that are memorable, but I mean, insomnia is good. The prestige is excellent. That's got Christian Bale in it. Uh, Inception. Um, he uses, uh, Hans Zimmer for a lot of his music. I know he uses him in Interstellar and Inception. Uh, he, so, uh, Christopher Nolan's really got the music going on in his movie. It's very intense. Um, but yet, like you said, you really can't name a bad movie that he's made. Dunkirk wasn't that great. Maybe I could see it again and try to give it another chance, but I don't think it's going to impress me again. But I he know can't, that- he can't do nonfiction. He just can't do it anymore. He's got to yeah. do his own thing. I mean, Inception, what kind of warped mind can think like that? You know how many levels Inception has? Literally, they have those levels. They got to go and everything is slower and faster and twisting and all. How do you put that together in your brain? I mean, and his brother is a big contributor, I guess. His brother is also doing that Westworld on HBO. He's God. You can tell they're brothers, but but I guess he helps out a lot with writing. But he's he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Um, give him give him ten twenty more years, and he's probably going to be better than Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. You know, I got him higher than Spielberg. Yeah, man, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely doing something just different than the other guy. He's, he's got something else figured out compared to these other guys. And the only other one that maybe comes close up there is like Steven Spielberg. He, he's, he seems like he's really got it figured out. I mean, obviously all these guys are geniuses, but Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan, I mean, I was so happy with Interstellar, you know, his first movie that he made after the Dark Knight trilogy ends, uh, was Interstellar. Matthew McConaughey was great in it. Uh, Anne Hathaway is really good in Interstellar. Um, and the, the, again, I already mentioned the music. The music is good in that, or even sometimes where there was like a lack of music or a lack of sound effects because they were in space. I just felt like he chose everything really well. I love space movies. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm always a fan of like those man against nature things. Well, I mean, man against space, that's, that's some intense stuff. And they got, they got all the, the crazy stuff with like, black holes and time being relative and just really, yeah. really wicked it was really stuff. Well done. 
Yeah, that was really well done in Interstellar. I didn't really – the end could have been better, but – I like it, it more. I like it more uh, the more that I watch it because I was a little bummed out about the end. We won't spoil too much about it, but I, the more I watch it, the more uh, okay I become with it. Yeah, the ending did bum me out the first time I saw it in theaters, but now that I watch it, uh, I can accept it, especially because the rest of the movie's so good and the just the whole story is so good too. Okay, you mentioned Guy Pierce, and uh, Memento is one of your favorites from Christopher Nolan. So let, let's play a scene from uh, Memento. This was years ago, by the way. So where are you? You're in some motel room. You just you just wake up and you're in, in a motel room. There's the key. It feels like maybe it's just the first time you've been there, but perhaps you've been there for a week, three months. It's it's kind of hard to say. I don't know. It's just an anonymous room. So, I mean, uh, Memento's just about a guy who just, he lost his memory, right? It's so bad he has to write everything down. He has a tattoo on his body, right, to, because he, to remember stuff, some sordid stuff. That movie is so intense. Outside of the Batman trilogy, uh, Memento is definitely my favorite, followed by The Prestige. The Prestige is really good, and then after that, it's probably Interstellar, and then Inception. I mean, those are all great, but Inception is probably my least favorite out of my favorites. But uh, outside of Batman, Memento is definitely my favorite, especially because, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. And it's actually one of those movies that uh, it's it's almost it's almost got like a like a Vanilla Sky thing going on. It demands a rewatch. If you've seen Memento one time and then you figure it out and you see what it's all about. Uh, then you watch it again with a different a different viewpoint or a different understanding because it's almost like filmed backwards. Again, you, you have to see it if you if you uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have seen it, you've probably seen it two or three times at least. Uh, I I've seen obviously I've seen Memento. I I need to watch it again. I, I've been meaning to watch it lately and. It's you're right. I think it's Guy Pierce's the best thing he's ever he's ever done. Uh, it yeah, I, I love it. It was, it was 2000, so it was 19 years ago. I, I love that movie. So I, um, it just shows you how warped his brain is, you know. Uh, but there's the one thing I see with Christopher Nolan. I don't understand this. There's they're going to remake that. Memento? I hope not. Yeah, it says uh, AMBI Pictures announced in November of 2015 that it plans to remake Memento, one of several film rights that they acquired from when they bought out uh, Exclusive Media, another company, I guess. Pictures, uh, they, they stated that they plan to stay true to Christopher Nolan's vision and deliver a memor- memorable movie that is every bit as edgy, iconic. Well, why? Why? Nah. Why would you even... Why would you want to mess with that? I refuse to watch That's, it already. I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, you're right about that. That's just odd. Okay. Christopher Nolan, brilliant genius, but I don't think he's as good as this guy. Of course, it is Martin Scorsese. He's my number one. Um, he's, I don't know, he's been my number one for years, I would say. I mean, Christopher Nolan just needs more, more. I mean, you're talking about somebody has been around since the 60s and, He's done so much. I mean, just the just the bad guy movies, the mob movies alone. I mean, are fantastic. Goodfellas, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, wow, 
Every collaboration with Leonardo DiCaprio, that's a great team, by the way. I, I've, even the Aviator, the Howard Hughes story. I'm a big Howard Hughes buff. Uh, so if you haven't seen the Aviator, you want to check that out. If you like Howard Hughes or know about him, you you want to see that one. But uh, I picked this this scene from from Goodfellas. From uh, this is one of the funnier scenes. He can do comedy, that's for sure. Let's listen to this one. a great scene. That's why Joe Pesci won Best Supporting Actor. He won Best Supporting Actor for that role in Goodfellas. Uh, he's also nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actor in Raging Bull, which I'm not a huge fan of. It's okay. Uh, but Goodfellas is probably my number one with Scorsese. He's done so much, so many good things. We've talked about him a lot. Um, I can't imagine putting anyone, even Steven Spielberg or Christopher Nolan above above. Steven Spielberg, I guess, would be a better argument than Christopher Nolan for being above Scorsese, but I just absolutely anything he makes, I'm going to watch. I don't know anything that he made I don't like. I mean, there's some that I'm uh, whatever, but yeah, fantastic uh, director, and he's he's going to be around for a while too. So uh, let's see. That's my number one. I will say here honorable mentions: Ridley Scott, Ron Howard was an honorable mention for me, and that's because he's done so many good things. And then what's he done lately? You know, he did Apollo thirteen, he did Ransom, he did movies like that that were great. But then what did he do? I mean, Solo, and and that was like he got the, they fired the directors, the first directors, and then brought him in. I don't know how much he made it better, but what's Ron Howard done lately? I, I don't know. He's a great he's a great director. But lately, I don't, I don't see it. Um, Oliver Stone, uh, he just gets a little weird for me. I mean, Platoon was excellent. He's done a lot of great stuff. I just, I, I don't know what it is about it. Born on the Fourth of July, a lot of good stuff, but not on my top ten. Rob Reiner, we talked about him. Yeah, what's he done lately? That seems to be the biggest argument for these guys that I don't include on the list. Now, this one has done a lot lately, and it's J.J. Abrams. He's honorable mention too. Yeah, actually, number ten on my list, and I had to bump him off. I just. Uh, he's great. I mean, look, he brought back Star Wars and Star Trek. He's obviously talented. He, he's very talented. He's 
I mean, just look at look at his credits on IMDb, and you see how amazing this guy is. He's brilliant. He comes up with ideas for TV shows. Uh, I think he was he started out with that show Lost on ABC. Um, he's good. He got bumped for Mel Gibson for my number ten. So I like J.J. Abrams, and he's directing this next Star Wars too, the end of the, the third trilogy. So. Any other honorable mentions for you? Um, ones that I haven't mentioned. I think we mentioned most of them. I'll just read through what I have. Uh, Oliver Stone, you just mentioned him. Yeah, Platoon and um, Platoon and Any Given Sunday. Those are my two favorite Oliver Stone movies. But those just it just wasn't enough to put him on. Uh, Mel Gibson, we talked about him. Michael Bay, I like Michael Bay. Uh, he, I really love the movie Pain and Gain. I love the movie Pearl Harbor. I like the movie uh, The Rock, which we talked about earlier. Uh, I like the first few Transformers movies. I like his special effects. Uh, but he just uh, Armageddon was good too. But he just you know I don't know. He just his movies are a little a little cheesy sometimes. So I left him off. Ivan Reitman. That's another one of those National Lampoon guys. I he he directed uh, he directed Ghostbusters. I think Harold Ramis was one of the writers on Ghostbusters. But Ivan. Reitman was a big director for those guys, but he was, he didn't do enough for me either to make the list. Sylvester Stallone, I considered because he directed Rocky two, three and four. I think those are the ones he directed. He also did uh, one of the new Rambo movies, Clint Eastwood, one of my honorable mentions, Wes Anderson, one of my honorable mentions. I love the movie, the life aquatic with Steve Zissou. That's, um, that's with uh, Bill Murray, and he also did the Grand Budapest Motel or Hotel Grand Budapest Hotel. Those are, and he also did other ones like Moonrise Kingdom, which wasn't that good. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums was okay, uh, but he just the only reason I thought of him as an honorable mention is because he's one of those guys who who's a little bit different, and, and I, I like that about that. That's why guys like the the Coen Brothers made it high on my list because they're a little bit different. Or Quentin Tarantino, he's just they're just different, and I like that. Rob Reiner, honorable mention for me. Fairly Brothers, honorable mention. Judd Apatow, uh, Stanley Kubrick, and Ron Howard. And I know there's got to be somebody I'm forgetting somewhere, but those are all oh, yeah. those are those I'm are all sure. the guys I those are all my honorable mentions. If I'm, I know we mentioned some, but that's it. Well, we didn't. We didn't. I, I I didn't forget anybody. I don't think this is probably the first time we've had a show, and I didn't say you know forget somebody. And oh, I can't believe I forgot that person. I don't think we did that. Uh, but Oliver Stone. Now he's great. I like him, but he just gets too political. Yeah. I mean, he did Platoon. He did Wall Street. Born on the Fourth of July, one of my favorite. JFK. It was a good movie, but I had a problem with it. I mean, a lot, that stuff wasn't true. I mean, he just gets political and puts his opinion in stuff too much. Nixon, Natural Born Killers. I mean, there's some movies you didn't even know that he did, right? Uh, the World uh, World Trade Center W with Josh Brolin as uh, George W. Bush. Wall Street Money Never Sleeps wasn't good, and. Um, you know, Snowden, he hasn't done anything that great lately. But uh, yeah, Oliver Stone, he's a good director. I just I, I couldn't put him on my top ten list. Wow, that was a good show. I really like that one. That's We're going to hit – we're doing the power hitting now. You know, we're going to get – we got the directors. And our next episode, what, what's it going to be, Clint? I think we might be ready to tackle actors this time. Yeah. Actors, so that's a big one too. So we're going to do directors, and then we did directors. We're going to do actors next, and then we'll of course do actresses, and and maybe producers or something after that. But we wanted to get some after ten 
episodes, we wanted to then get the directors and the actors and actresses. We didn't want to lead off with that, although we did lead off with best movies ever. That was a good show. So, yeah, there we go. That's that's our show. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we had a great time presenting all this to you. I hope we enlighten you to uh, several good movies and directors. Maybe you didn't know about some of them. Uh, maybe you didn't hear about all of these movies. Uh, we had some surprises in there, like this director, he did that movie and this, and you didn't, you didn't realize it. So, yeah, I think it was a very enlightening show, and hopefully we brought some uh, good ideas as far as movie watching goes uh, to you folks. So thanks for listening to uh, Chevy's Drive-In. Until the next time, I'm Chevy. And I'm Chevy. We'll see you next time.